Hey guys, this is Rich Bokini. This is the Princess of Pro Wrestling, SoCal Val. Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model. This is Holiday. This is Steve Young. E-F-F-Y-F-E. And you're listening to the only podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. I wish you could see it. I'm doing the, the, the quick punching Cesaro thing. Dear listeners, welcome <laughs> to the whole Reffin Show, episode 62 of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. I am Darren Beasley. And I am Perry Smith. And we are stoked to have you here today for the 62nd rendition of of the whole wrestling show, we've got a great show for you today. We're glad you're listening as we're going to give you some news from around the world of wrestling, mostly from the world of wrestling entertainment, World Wrestling Entertainment's Raw, SmackDown, NXT, 205, you know, all the colored brands, red, blue, yellow, purple, And uh, then we're going to go right into talking about our results from our head-to-head bouts where Perry and I made our best predictions for NXT TakeOver War Games and the WWE's co-branded Raw and SmackDown Live Survivor Series 2017, both programs, both shows emanating this past weekend from Houston, Texas. And we're going to talk about Paige returning, and she is not going to be the only one. There's going to be a veritable slew of women flooding in to the WWE. Yeah, not so much returning as being called up from NXT. Man. It was a tidal wave of lady talent hitting uh, the red brand and the blue brand, so to speak, leaving a lot of gaps in the gold brand, uh, but more on that. When we get there, we got some titles changing hands since the pay-per-view. And we're going to take a look at that for sure. And then other call-ups that haven't happened, but have been seemingly confirmed. But man, what a weekend from Houston. Uh, I can't wait to discuss uh, how our results turned out, as well as picking apart these matches. I can. I, I can wait. You could wait? Sure. Let's not, though. Okay. Let's not, though. Let's, on this Thanksgiving weekend, let's give thanks to the WWE for putting on a couple of great shows. Let's give thanks to professional wrestling for giving us something to talk about every week. And there is. There's more to talk about than we can even manage to squeeze into the show every single week. And uh, and uh, and that's great, and I'm thankful for it. And I'm thankful to have you as a co-host, Perry. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, we are thankful. Am I, am would... I supposed to say that I'm thankful for you as a co-host as well? No, I'm not like you. I don't say things just to get a response. Okay. Well, you, typically when someone asks you a question, 
uh, th- th- that's kind of out of nowhere. They o- they ask you because they want you to ask them the same question. Exactly, and I don't feed into that. Uh, right. I don't. I do not do that. Okay. Nor do I allow people to get away with that. Okay. If they ask me, I will give them an extremely long-winded answer and then walk away. <laughs> right. You walk away a lot. That is that is true. Yeah. So so I shouldn't walk up to everyone when I find attractive and say I love you because I, I want them to say it back to me and I feel good about myself. Yeah, don't do that. Okay. You should not ever feel good about hey, yourself. That, that has actually never worked. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know. Well, knowing is half the battle, right? That's what G.I. Joe That's what G.I. Okay. Joe says. That's true. But most of all, and I think I speak for both of us. By the way, I'm, I'm thankful for you as a, a co Oh, well, how about that? Unsolicited, all right? And thank you for calling me out on the podcast and saying that I'm, I'm guilty of this thing. Right? Well, yeah. you know. What, Darren? Darren, we what, what, what is your favorite movie? <laughs> hey, aren't you forgetting something? Uh, yeah. All right, Perry, what is your favorite movie? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. <laughs> Well, I yes. Which, yes. By the way, also confirms my point that I've made before, which is when people impersonate themselves, they never just talk normally. No, <laughs> and they always go into a voice when they totally should. When they should just talk normally because yeah. there cannot be any better impression right. of a person than that person speaking normally. Quick story before this whole show starts. Sure, I'm killing the momentum of this episode. By the way, no, there is no such thing. Real, what I just said about people—they shouldn't impersonate themselves when they're basically doing what they would be doing anyway. Sure, that's how I became a better actor because I auditioned for a movie. Or the audition was I was an actor auditioning for a movie. Oh wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> I need to. I gotta do some. I gotta do some Lamaze breathing here before I can wrap my head around this concept. So yeah. So so wait a minute. You're doing an audit. Whoa! Wait. Oh my God! Wait. Hold on. Right. You're doing. Oh wait. Whoa. You're rehearsing. This is Charlie Kaufman. It's, this is. It is. You're at home rehearsing for an audition. No, 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 no. I am at the audition. So I'm at the audition. In which you are playing I someone. myself am an actor at an audition, and the role, the, the, the part that I'm reading for, the small scene that I'm doing, is the role of an actor who is at an audition. Sure. Asking the people questions. And I had a question right before I started it, and I, I went in to do it, and I said, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> this should sound like this conversation just kept going. There should be no difference. And sure enough, I started, and they didn't realize that I started. They thought I was asking more questions. And oh, I, that's good. I got the part, by the way. Nice. So anyway, that, that, was, well, well, that, that was the day that I realized, oh, I think I get it now. So that's the good version. That's the best case scenario. That is the best case scenario. The worst case scenario of that is that Mr. Show sketch. Oh, the audition. <laughs> oh, oh, my yeah, yeah. God. Dear listeners. <laughs> I hope all anybody that would find this show funny uh hopefully has a background full of, of of rich fantastic humor in their lives at least an appreciation thereof and therefore you've probably already seen Mr. Show if you haven't or even if you have go pull out your old DVDs or I think it's on Netflix now Go pull out Mr. Show and watch the audition sketch. It doesn't get better than that. No, no. It doesn't get better than that. 
And even if David Cross has pissed you off at this stage in your life. And if he hasn't, you're not paying attention. And if, exactly, exactly. Um, Check out that sketch. Absolutely. But that's funny. I didn't know that story about you, and that's really great, and that's super poignant, man. There you go. It's really heavy, but, like, I dig it because it's true. It is true. That, That should be, and I'm glad that that story ends with you getting that part because... That's that's pretty crucial. Technically, now that I think about it, I did not get that part. <laughs> oh. I, 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 I got a bigger part. Okay. Okay. So I didn't get that part, but I got an even bigger part of the part. Okay, good. Okay, there we go. That was that story. So there, there we go, there we go. I, I, I was thinking about it, I was like, well, shit, no, I didn't get that part, but I got a bigger part of the show. Well, that's even better. There we go. Okay, good, good, good. So anyway, wrestling, uh, all, all this is, is uh, relevant to wrestling. It is. Otherwise, we wouldn't talk about it here on the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole ref and show. The whole ref and show. That's what we do. So, man, we got we got news from all around the place. We got some head-to-head, head-to-head. results from WWE and NXT weekend. But I guess, I guess first we got to talk about those. Headlines. Pages back, back and black, black and white. Got a little bit of red on the lips, but mostly doing the black and white thing. Paige, the goth goddess, however you want to take a look at her. Uh, she's back. She's back on television proper. Not just taking selfies backstage. Not just uh, on YouTube with the glampires. No, the character of Paige is back on WWE television. Appeared on Monday Night Raw this week. Made her return. Hashtag Paige is back. And uh, she wasn't alone. No. And and I think people for a second thought that uh, Alberto Del Rio was about to show up. <laughs> and I think that would have been very uh, interesting if that had happened. Uh, no. So Paige comes to the ring um, and... Uh, she interrupts a women's match. A fatal four-way match between Mickey James... Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Alicia Fox. Um, and the Not Alone part, uh, all of a sudden, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, a.k.a. Daria Baronado, show up. And uh, they all <laughs> beat up on all the ladies in the ring. Very interesting uh, way to bring back Paige. Uh, not my favorite way to bring back Paige and introduce these NXT uh, ladies to the world of wrestling. It was cool because it was so much, we always love that feeling of being overwhelmed when watching wrestling. Right. But it takes away from both Paige's return and these ladies' debuts. Absolutely. Paige's return should have been a big deal. It really should have been a big, 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 big deal. It's been teased forever. I mean, for, uh, for me, they could have had someone get injured at Survivor Series and then, you know, Raw needs another person, and oh, Paige is that person. I, I I do think they left the spot open on SmackDown Live for the fifth woman, just in case, you know, one of these girls was called up. We'll, we'll get the SmackDown Live call-ups, but as far as the Paige return slash Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville call-up, uh, it's kind of odd because are they a trio? Uh, why are they a trio? Right. They, they should not be a trio. Also, they they show up in this very heel manner where they beat up on everybody. Also, that won't be the last time on this podcast that you hear, are they a trio, 
they shouldn't be a trio. Right, right. But anyway, getting ahead of ourselves. But remember that. Right. Well, I mean, if you... When, when you hear it later, we won't be repeating ourselves. If you follow Mandy Rose, or if you've heard the podcast enough where we talk about Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, how they're like best friends that hang out and they go everywhere. It's almost like, I think Mandy Rose said, like, if I go to Raw, I'm a package deal. So, like, Sonya Deville has to come with me because we have to go to Krispy Kreme together. Um, <laughs> but but we, we know that uh, that Mandy Rose is uh, loved by Vince McMahon, who's wanted to have uh, Mandy Rose on, on the show for a long time because she she does look like Trish Stratus. I mean, she to me, she's kind of a refined Trish Stratus. Um, I mean, she, she is, she's gorgeous. I'll go ahead and say she's very beautiful. She's like head cheerleader, beautiful. Her body is insane. You you could, you could do a muscle map, you know, on her body. It's just her, her body's insane. She's very strong. She squats like a zillion pounds. And I mean, she's got some wrestling ability too. Like I'm all for the Mandy Rose call up. Sonya Deville could have waited. You really could have let her stand in next year for a little while to get, to get the most, you know, benefit from that. Little background on both these girls. Both of them competed in the last or most recent uh, edition of Tough Enough. Neither of them won. Both of them were signed immediately. And of course, the girl who won is no longer with the company. Right. But both of these girls, they they've wrestled pretty much continuously from the moment that they were signed. Sonia Deville wrestled forever under her real name, Daria Baronado, to the point where it was such a strange thing when they changed it. And we've talked about that on the show before. Right. I like the fact that they still call her the Jersey Devil. Um, I like that they still treat her as a shoot fighter, to the, even to the point where she has the cornrows. You know, like, well, I think her. I think part of her one of her catchphrases is, put your hair up and square up. Yeah. And it's like, We've talked about that before on this show. The idea that it's ridiculous that the the mounds and mounds and mounds of hair that people like Nikki Bella and Charlotte and Carmella walk around with in a wrestling ring. And the almond it, joys of hair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, it seems like, you know, that's the first thing an opponent would go for. And uh, I'm glad there's at least one well, you person. You can't pull the hair in wrestling. It doesn't matter. You're going to, even if it's accidentally, when you have more hair than you have body mass. You can pull cornrows just as easily. Not well, just all, as easily. Well, it's also nice that she doesn't have like some wild color hair. Because if you, if you line up all the WWE girls, half of them like, okay, she's the purple hair one. She's the pink hair one. She's the orange haired one. That's she's true. the green hair one. So. Uh, but it is like they're basically brats dolls at that point. I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that like you have to do something that's different. So it's not ten blonde girls. That being said, here are some more blonde girls for WWE. Well, okay. So uh, Mandy Rose, a.k.a. Amanda Sacamano, was a no-brainer when she appeared on Tough Enough. I was like, okay, that, that one's getting signed no matter what happens. Uh, then, of course, as time goes on, you learn she's a Vince McMahon pet project. Uh, it obviously has everything to do with the fact that she is like Trish Stratus Part 2. Um, although I personally think, having seen her wrestle at many, many uh, NXT house shows, that even at this very young age, she's already as good, if not better, of a wrestler than Trish Stratus ever was. And uh, But I don't know that she has quite the character We'll see when she's not actually talking. She has a really good presence. Like she, she has a great presence and a great 
uh, like ring awareness, and uh, she's real good at the turnaround, tell the audience to shut up and point her finger and you know make herself be better than you. Uh, but I remember you know the one season of Total Divas that she was on was underwhelming as a character on that show. I mean, again, they're supposed to just be being themselves, and all she did was cry for a whole season because people because she wasn't part of the club basically is. The, the Bellas aren't nice to me. Cry, cry, cry. I'd cry if the Bellas weren't nice to me. <laughs> uh, it's funny how the... I, I have low self-esteem It's issues. funny how uh, now that now that Nikki's broken her neck seven or eight times and Bree decided to have a baby, how all of a sudden they've repainted themselves through Total Bellas, their spinoff show, as these couple of angels. Whereas the first few seasons of Total Divas, it was like the Bellas were still... They're young, shitty selves. And it's like, oh, that's pretty interesting to see how you're now reinventing your own image. That's why executive producer Nicole whatever, or Garcia Para or whatever, Garcia Coles, I think, uh, you know, now that Nikki's one of the producers. If, if, if it's not uh, Buda Murray, then I don't care. All right. Oh, it is Buna Murray. Okay. Well, then but I care. She's also one of it's. Buna... By, but by the way, folks, for those who don't know, that's the production team that brought you the real world. Right. Gotcha. And uh, they're the only. Hey, if if I'm going to watch reality television, it's got to be Buna Murray. Right. Which, by the way, you can stop shitting on the Miz about real world and reality TV when all your fucking women's wrestlers are on reality TV, produced by the same people that did Real World. So I don't want to hear that anymore. What's really funny, actually, that The Miz is now on that show because of Maurice. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, I wonder how often... Full circle. I was like, I wonder if they actually... If, are there any same crew members all these years later? Or, you <laughs> hey, know, The Miz, it's me, Tony! Uh, hey, remember 17 years ago when we was in that loft in New York together? Nah, man. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm now filthy rich and I'm The Miz. Yes. So I don't remember anyone lesser than me. Nah, I doubt he's that way. No, he actually seems like a real sweetheart. And uh, <laughs> boo, <laughs> I don't want that. But anyway, uh, let's see. Paige, Paige needed a a real return, a yeah, true yeah. blue return. We needed I don't a know. Tupac Shakur, all eyes on me. As in, like, this is Paige, focus on that Paige yes. is here. Philosoph- That's enough for the night, that Paige came back. Right. right. Philosophically, yes, that approach. I love that. That's a good good job. Good. The Tupac thing. Well, yeah. Well, the, I, all Comparing eyes on Paige me. to Tupac. Yes, yes. Uh, well, a lot of people think, I think probably more people would believe that Paige has been dead than believe Tupac is dead at this point. Fair enough. <laughs> but, no, what it needed to be, spend three or four weeks addressing the fact that there was controversy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, bring up Del Rio. I only call him Del Rio. You know, that way it's talking about the character and not the real man. You don't have to worry about libel or slander. On, on live television or on Raw? Yeah. No, because then people mm-hmm. people want people want and expect Del Rio to show up again. I don't care. Well, <laughs> I, 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 think, I think Paige get past that and you're on your own. No, you got... You, I like it. Yeah, get past it over the course of two, three, four weeks. Right. You've got to do something about this last year to make it more interesting. Mm. Nobody cares about the fact that nobody cares about Paige coming back from an injury. She's not that sympathetic. I mean, especially if you're bringing her back immediately as a heel. 
not sympathetic at all. So you needed to, there needed to be something or shows are having some street clothes uh, on like maybe last week. It, it, it was, it was very odd. Her return, it, the audience was happy, but then she, she was kind of, you know, she was monologuing and saying, you guys should be louder for me and stuff like that. It was kind of like, what's what's happening like please that's because it was done the wrong way it, it every was totally way. done the wrong way when they had every woman come out one at a time the last person's music you would have heard should have been Paige and like oh by the way I'm back you're all on notice bye you know that, that's right. fine that's all you needed or her first appearance be on the Titan Tron or come back as Pageolina <laughs> obviously a reference to uh, oh my god which did not work well again I hate that all these women are here well, by the way I'm happy for all these women I'm I'm happy for Paige to come back, Absolutely. and I'm happy for Mandy to be called up, and me even too. Sonya Deville. I, I don't think she's quite ready, but I, I really hope she proves me wrong. Happy for all of them to get more money, you know, for themselves and their families. That's great. Blah 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 blah. Um, but it, it just the way it was done was was done very poorly. Um, however, that being said, are they going to keep these three together? We don't know. Speaking of people making returns in groups of three, SmackDown not to be outdone. No page coming back, but instead, another women's match. Natalia gets her rematch uh, for that women's championship belt on SmackDown Live against Charlotte. Interrupted by three NXT call-ups, Sarah Logan, Liv Morgan, and Ruby Riot. Woohoo, Ruby! And again, are these three going to stay together? Or are three, these three going to drift apart? This almost makes less sense. Right. Page, I guess... And all right, also, not that we should, not that we owe WWE anything, especially not our patience, but I, for the sake of argument, in week two, week three, week four of Paige's return, they might explain it a little bit. They probably won't, but let's give them a benefit of the doubt for a second, and maybe they will explain why she's with these two girls or whatever. But the three girls on SmackDown, their being together, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, you can't. Like I said, you may we may be having a, a page explanation coming soon. The, they've already explained why. It's not like I'm ignorant to what they did and what they said about it. Like it's not like I wasn't paying attention. the 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 message they didn't really say it. Ruby or Sarah or Liv didn't speak this, but through comments on uh, social media that WWE made for them, et cetera, et cetera. You basically get the idea that we did this as a unit and we did this in, you know, like, obviously not going to use the word heels, but they did it in this fashion because this is how you make a statement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is how you make an impact. This is how you make a statement. Like, okay, that's fine, but that's been done to death. Now you need to put an interesting spin on it. That's what Paige and Mandy and... Sonya still have an opportunity to do. The other three girls on SmackDown, they don't really have that opportunity. I mean, of course, they do. WWE could completely and radically shift gears next week or even six weeks from now after five weeks of continuity and they go, nope, now this. So it's not like they can't undo it. But logically, it would seem dumb for them, for uh, Ruby and Sarah and Liv to now come out next week and now have an actual explanation. But the actual explanation is what they need. That's what we need. We don't need just this, you know, here we come to make an impact. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And if so, 
did th- all three of them independently come up with this idea and find each other? Did they all get the call up? You know, are we supposed to see behind the curtain and realize they all got brought up from NXT? Then while all sitting on the plane together, they thought, all right, well, we've done this contractually obligated, blah, 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 blah. But now let's be bad girls. Right. Well, they need a manager or a mouthpiece, maybe, even yeah. if it's one of them. No, I I agree. And, and that's the benefit that the Paige group has. Paige at least has a microphone and she's talking about stuff. Whereas, you know, Ruby, Sarah, and Liv, it's just like, it was kind of like, we're NXT and we're here, you know, kind of a thing. And and, and they could disperse and just do singles matches, you know, whoever with whoever from here on out, and that's fine. But because the two things are so closely related, it, it is very like, but why? And, and also, that's too much at once. It is. I, I can't enjoy any of it because it's just too much. It's a major, a major return. Again. And five major debuts. Again, Ruby Wright's one of my favorite female wrestlers right now. She's one of the best, I think. You know, and Heidi Lovelace and, and Fest Wrestling, when I first saw her, when we first saw her. We liked her then, and, you know, she went through the NXT machine really quickly. And by the way, I I, I said in this whole podcast, because we were doing this the entire time, the very short amount of time she was in NXT, I said, I have never seen someone go through the NXT machine so quickly. And I rest my case. She's already on SmackDown. And one... <laughs> no, absolutely, you're right. And one... She totally deserves it. Absolutely. The ability it speaks for itself. So regardless, she deserves it. However, this podcast exists to ask questions. Yeah. As the Greek historian Herodotus said, the study of history is an inquiry into the past. I was going to say the same thing. And Only um, not as well. And the Greek philosopher Socrates said... A life unexamined is not worth living. Mm-hmm. All of these things mean ask questions. Don't simply sit and let things be. Whether you love it or hate it, ask questions. Right. Dig deeper. So therefore, while on the surface, Ruby's success speaks for itself, I have to ask the question, who backstage, who on the inside is like, yes. And I don't mean in some underhanded, weird way or anything. Just who decided, because obviously somebody has to make these decisions on these call-ups. Who said this one? You know, because yes, she might be better than the next 12 girls. Right. But who agrees with us is what I'm saying. Sarah Logan. We see that. We feel that way. But I'd like to know, in the WWE, which can be so slow-moving and so fickle, and so argumentative to the point of gridlock, who fast-tracked Ruby and why? All right. Outside of the talent. But but, but also, I mean, Sarah Logan and Ruby Wright have been there for a couple amount of time, which is to say not very long. Both of them less than a year, less than like eight months probably. Um, and like, I feel bad for like Peyton Royce and, and Billy Kay. Yeah. People have been there forever. And Liv Morgan's been in NXT for quite a while now. So her, her call up was kind of natural. Um, and she, she'd shown up on, I think, SmackDown once or twice before. Um, but also it's kind of weird for, for Liv Morgan because she so closely resembles Carmella, another Jersey girl with blonde hair who's just kind of thin, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it is kind of like, I don't know about that. I mean, that's going to be a... People are going to automatically go, 
You wish you were Carmella and people on the internet. I mean, it's horrible. They're all saying horrible things because well, they they don't watch NXT and they don't they're know. Always gonna do that, and, and that's the thing too. Um, but I mean, they're they're all saying like these bunch of wannabes. Well, they're not wannabes anymore. They're on the big show now, so you need to drop that shit right now. Oh, for sure. Um, this immediate criticism, like what we're doing right here, we are. Asking questions. Just right. like I said, we're doing what the podcast exists We're doing to do. God's work. <laughs> God's work. <laughs> uh, we acknowledge the, the talent, or at the very least, the potential of all of these women. We're asking questions of who, what, when, where, why, and how. That's all we're asking. We're not being critical. The amount of criticism, though, that is out there in the past few days is staggering. It is pretty These bad. girls are being shit on. I do feel left like... Left and right. And I, and I almost said, I feel like the women get criticized more, more harshly than the men. But that's not true. Because <laughs> as you just said, all wrestling fans shit on everything. It doesn't matter. Whenever, whenever we've said this a, a whole bunch on the show, like, I really enjoyed this, this latest pay-per-view slash network exclusive everyone worst network exclusive slash pay-per-view i've ever seen it's like what what do you need like what do you want to see i want to take the most irate fans and say like you know look at the roster now now book a show i want to see what your show looks like all right sadly you just you can't please everyone right and there is this element out there am i going a little bit of a tear here forgive me but what you've just said sparked a thought in, in my mind because guess what? The person who is most critical, the person who is the loudest uh, in, ma in making that argument cannot book a good show, period. They certainly cannot book one. They probably can't do one at all. They only want to be critical. They only want to be contrary. They only want to be ironic. And let me just say, you have to be able to enjoy something. And that's what we say so many, many, many times on this show, to the point that sometimes we even have to remind you, dear listeners, that what we're doing is not being hypercritical. That for every time we say, oh, Vince McMahon, blah, 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 we stop and remind you, this is the man who saved wrestling. This is the man who made wrestling bigger than it ever, ever, ever was, or than anybody ever believed it could be. Vince McMahon has made way more right decisions than he's made wrong. Maybe he's past his prime and out of touch in 2017, but we should never discount Vince McMahon. Don't forget the good times. Exactly. Don't forget the good times. It reminds me of... Okay, I saw a guy who is a hope... I saw a guy on Instagram. An absolute hopeless, hopeless hopeless, hapless hipster, right? Who took a picture of a couple of old ladies using a uh, selfie stick, right? And he said, and then he like, I hope this hipster doesn't follow us. I, I hope he does. Oh, okay. This is a point that he and anybody like him needs to hear. Okay. He circles the picture, like he circles it, like it was some app, I guess, and says like, oh my, like, OMG, no. Why? Why you 20-something hipster kid, why why does it bother you that a couple of old ladies are having a nice time smiling, taking a picture of themselves to remember their wonderful day? Are, are you saying they're being very judgmental, these old, old older folk? 
the older folk aren't. This hipster kid is. Uh, being judgmental of them. He's being judgmental of them for doing that. Right, but you're being judgmental for calling no, him I'm a hipster. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I see what you're saying. No, I'm not. Shitting on someone else's good time when they're not doing anything to upset Precisely. And this is a problem with hipsters. This is a problem with postmodernism. The idea... Wow. Well, this is the thing. We are all postmodern people living in a postmodern world, even those people who don't realize they are. But they are. If you you employ irony more often than not, and if you do not possess a joie de vivre, you are a postmodern prick, and I'm sorry, but until you become aware of it, you can't save yourself. Right. You cannot be happy. All right. David Foster Wallace, the late novelist who unfortunately took his own life, probably had a lot to do with uh, clinical depression that revolved around concepts like this, which is that people cannot simply exist and love anymore. We've become so ironic and so postmodern and so hypercritical and so hyper-aware and so self-referential that we as a society cannot fucking appreciate anything. I appreciate things. And too many people don't. Of course you do, and I do. That's why this exists. This is, as I said a few minutes ago, this podcast is an inquiry into pro wrestling because it is a celebration of pro wrestling too much of the internet wrestling community and too many podcasts exist to shit on people to tear people down to destroy the thing they supposedly love but this is the dirty little secret they don't love it to begin with they don't understand love in their life and they don't understand what appreciation is they're so wrapped up, sometimes inadvertently, in their postmodern concept of how to absorb the world around them that their only reaction is to exist in a really terrible state of tearing everything down. And I think that we need to move into a period where we can appreciate things non-ironically again and we can hug our friends. Two men can walk down the street holding hands. You can kiss your parents when they drop you off for school and just stop worrying about being fucking cool. You don't have to be cool and you don't have to be right. Sometimes you can just sit and be and you can just look at life and you can participate. And if you want to check out because you're a dickhead, then check out. But if you're going to participate, man, cut somebody some slack. Am I wrong? I understand what you're saying. I understand. I think a lot of people feel this way. And so I'm saying don't poop all over, not you, not you, but other people who are watching Pages Return and these five girls debut. Maybe you can see, maybe you can give your opinion on maybe we should have done it this way. But as far as tearing the girls down based on their two minutes on your television screen, and like ripping them apart for who they are as people and performers, you're way out of line. Not you, again. Those, that, not you, Perry. You keep saying you, and I think you're saying me. I'm not. I promise I'm not. Because I, I know you're, you're saying not. you, which is not me. I'm saying you, the 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 intolerant internet wrestling community commentary. I understand. You know, cut it out. Give these girls a chance. 
Could it have been booked better? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that that's the issue is kind of, I need reasons why. I need reasons why, and I agree with what you're saying. It, obviously, with social media, it's, it's everyone's has too much access to everybody. And, you know, we live in, we live in a world where it's, it's just, if you shit on things that could be celebrated. And I always hate it. I always hate it when uh, wrestlers retweet people's shitty comments. And it's one thing to even call them out on it. And then you have all the fans of that wrestler jump in and say, what a piece of shit. And then, and deservingly so, but you shouldn't even point it out. The fact that you put it on a pedestal. You're basically you're basically giving the troll what he wants. You don't feed the troll. Exactly. You starve the troll. Exactly. And the troll goes to find food somewhere else. Jimmy Kimmel does that thing on his show where it's it's like uh celebrities read mean tweets. And it's like, what are you doing? You're gonna have assholes trying even harder to get on your so show that, so that they'll be on their show. And guess what? If that happens, they win. They win. Absolutely. This nobody gets five seconds of fame. But that, that, that's how I feel about you know social media in general. I wish these wrestlers and they hear the worst shit. But you know that, that's occupational hazard because people are going to be shitty. You're going to have shitty customers, right? Wrestlers were not on TV. They're only accessible. And by the way, social media has only existed in the last like ten years, really. Right. You know, back in the day, I, I couldn't tell. I don't know, shit. I couldn't tell Ahmed Johnson what I thought about him unless I went to a fucking Raw. I went, hey, Ahmed, when you wrestle, your underwear goes in your ass crack and you have a fucking thong by the end of every match. Wear pants, man. I couldn't I couldn't go on Twitter and say that to Ahmed Johnson or say, you're part of a plunge, you're stupid, and you're stupid. Please retweet. Yay! You fed me. You fed the troll. So, I mean, everyone is so accessible. Social media is such a big deal to all these people. It's a big deal to Vince McMahon. He, he wants Twitter. Like, he wants to be number one on Twitter every week. And, and I get it from a business standpoint. But also, when you're when you're opening up these different channels to people, you're obviously letting in a lot of negativity because a lot of neg- negativity is going to come in. If you're lucky, seventy five percent of the what you your feedback is going to be praise, and maybe twenty five percent is negative. But you're going to get at least twenty five percent. Doesn't matter who you are. So if you're these girls and you haven't watched NXT, you're automatically like. Who the fuck did they? This girl's blonde, so she's like every blonde lady we've ever seen. Look at it. Look at this. This, this that the Ruby Riot girl. Is that just Paige? Does she want to be Paige? Because they don't. They don't know. And we ignore the people who don't know because they don't fucking know. Anyway, and sometimes you can't ignore criticism, but you should. You should whenever you can, except for constructive criticism. You should accept that if you if you get twenty people saying you're great, five people saying you're not. You, even though as much as you want to hear that everyone says that you're great, you have to kind of look at the people who say you aren't and kind of figure out why and fix that part of yourself, right? Yes. There you go. As long as it's within reason. Anyway, it's people going to be shitty and you're going to shit on people they don't know anything about. And that's the thing. We, we kind of shit on things we don't know about. Man, we got off on a tangent this whole thing. But uh, welcome to the show, ladies. Good to have you there. It's going to definitely freshen up that women's division on both shows. Very cool thing. Again, don't know why Emma was kicked out. Uh, <laughs> if I can throw it back to that quickly. Um, also, I like your point you made You made to me over dinner before this podcast. The romantic candlelit Denny's dinner for two. 
uh, where you said <laughs> you said Liv Morgan probably didn't show up on Raw because they want to keep her away from Enzo Amore, her ex, and that that doesn't make a lot of sense. But also, I think Mandy and and Sonya are a package deal. But um, anyway. Ladies, welcome to the show. Your hard work being rewarded. Darren and I have seen this hard work at house show after house show after house show. You guys put the effort into the Performance Center, and you, you're all deserving of being on the main show. So with that, we say hello. But speaking of NXT call-ups, uh, we got uh, fresh off the presses. Not, not, not too fresh, actually. This, this rumor's been going on for a little while. But uh, Hideo Itomi... Uh, actually making his way to 205 Live. Oh, I was about to ask, Donde es Hideo Itomi? So, Hideo Itomi getting called up. Now, we we, <laughs> we don't know if 205 Live is necessarily a call up. Only because we think NXT is doing a lot better than 205 Live is doing. That's true, but look at it this way. Okay. You can't be on 205 without being in the Cruiserweight division. The cruiserweight division is technically a part of Raw, right? So even though he may spend most of his time on Two Hundred Five Live, mm-hmm. Hideo Itami moving to the cruiserweight division does, I guess, suggest he will have the opportunity to wrestle on Raw. So that, that, that's so that's it is a, cool a call thing. up. It is a call up. It is cool. It's cool to see him uh, in in that way. I and mean, let me tell you the number one reason it's a call up because he stands to do way better. Even on 205 Live, than he stands to do in NXT at this point. Right. After all, after years now, years of sitting on the shelf due to multiple injuries, and then coming back in a time in which he stood no chance of being the Japanese standout when Nakamura was there. Oh man! And then just about the time that it's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna get rid of Balor, we're gonna get rid of Joe, we're gonna get rid of Shinsuke. Then it's like, okay, all right, Hideo Tommy, he might be the... Nope, we're going to push Almas. Yeah. And now here is Bobby Roode and Cassius Ono and Roderick Strong and Drew McIntyre. And now here's Adam Cole. Uh, where does that leave Hideo Tommy? Hideo Tommy did suffer from multiple unfortunate injuries, as Darren would say. Because I argue, are there, are there, are there, are there fortunate, fortunate injuries? Probably not. Uh, probably not. Um, Unless you're Mr. Perfect and you get your Lloyds of London payout. Then maybe <laughs> that's a fortunate injury. Then you're okay. But Hideo Itami, he just ends up every... At this point, everything he does, he just kind of shows up looking like he's a day late and a dollar short. Yeah, and it's it's not his fault. It's not his fault. It's his body's fault. Given out. And no, no, totally injuries and... Uh, and uh, Shinsuke Nakamura just being this total uh, Japanese standout. Uh, and it's kind of like, Hideo, who? Um, so- I still, hey, I think if you're going to call him up, other than the fact that he's a better fit in the cruiserweight division in terms of wrestling, I still think we never got a resolution to the fact that his first injury was blamed on Kevin Owens. But before he could ever retaliate, Kevin Owens went. To the main roster. Right. Well, So I think that right now, while Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are kind of just like antagonists to everyone, but not really in a specific feud, send Hideo over to SmackDown and have him feud with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Well, Hideo will definitely be on two shows, 205 Live and Raw. Definitely not SmackDown. So that's not going to happen. Oh, I know. I'm just, there, there's some fantasy booking there. How cool would that be? Of him going, show up on SmackDown and me like, and even address the fact, even address the fact that there's nothing left for me in NXT. My career at this point boils down. <laughs> I don't even need to win that NXT title. No, seriously. I went straight on but to the main no, 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 no. Cruiserweight show. 
address it from both angles, which is I they I can't do anything. They don't want me there because I'm in in a way I'm damaged goods. My career at this point in the WWE in the United States comes down to this one day in the parking lot at Full Sail when Kevin Owens jumped me. So I'm here for Kevin Owens. Between that and what you're saying about Paige talking about Del Rio, which I think is a horrible idea, by the way. <laughs> I love you. Um, if, if anything, it could have been a quick slight and a quick reference to, you know, some guy or dead weight. Or like, you know, kind of like Scott Hall said, WWF would never, never actually saying WWF. Right. That's fine, but don't harp on that. Don't become like a, don't be like a Bret Hart relationship thing. I never said that. I'm just saying. Anyway, I said anyway, they should do it and go. My main point though is just that you obviously like continuity. Duh. I love continuity also, Darren. No, duh. I love continuity also, Darren. However, WWE loves hitting the reset button. On people, garbage. I understand that, but you'll you'll never get that, is what I'm saying. But hey, you're a neat guy. So Hideo coming to two hundred five live. Looking forward to that debut. But jumping back onto Raw this past Raw, not only did we have those ladies show up on Raw, but also Paige returning. Also, we had a major title change hands, the IC Championship. Well, you should be happy. Roman Reigns defeated The Miz for the IC Championship. And uh, that that's good. Because I, I, I kind of complained about it in the last show that the IC Championship is just a hood ornament for whoever ha- has to lug that thing around and never actually defend it. Um, so the belt changed hands. And apparently the belt just likes to change hands on television. Because that's where it usually does change hands. Because they never have time for it. For a title defense on a uh, pay-per-view slash network exclusive. I think it's weird that Roman Reigns is the one who takes this belt. Well, it was also the last belt he had He had won. That they mentioned that the IC belt is the one he had won. Also the Cruiserweight title. I'll point that out. So, <laughs> So, yeah. drop 40 pounds and go after Enzo. Yeah, probably more than 40 pounds, I imagine. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, 45. I'm going to say <laughs> 41. Thank you very much. No, I I think it's just dumb to... I mean, yeah, you're right. It, it comes down to him being Grand Slam champion or whatever. But It's, it's also a consolation prize. Like, okay, okay, you're not getting the world title anytime soon, but here's this pretty belt. But the problem is he might be getting the world... Because anytime soon, in my mind, includes New Orleans, WrestleMania... We're only five months away at this point. Five months is any time soon when you're talking about the fact that he just got the IC belt. You're a kid that's that thinks Christmas is just around the corner no matter what month it is. Okay. We call those dumb kids. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I will kill you. No, no. It's, it's funny, though, no, because everything does... Everything is built up to WrestleMania. Yeah, WrestleMania is just a commercial for the next WrestleMania. I don't want Roman Reigns to be fighting in the main event for the world or the universal title at WrestleMania, but he's going to be. I know, I know. And by that time, he needs not to be holding the IC belt. He won't be. Right. So why give it to him right now? You know how I'll lose it? Probably a shield breakup. I do wonder how long the shield's going to stay together. And I, I don't like the shirts, and I really hated the half-raw, half-shield shirts. Oh my god, the best part about Survivor Series being over is we don't see those shirts ever again. 
Well, um, I'm sorry. That's what I got you for Christmas. God, why'd you spoil the it's surprise? It's because I'm not a kid who thinks that Christmas is right around the corner. Oh, you're not a dumb kid? <laughs> I don't know why. I, I, I just hate kids. Um, uh, that's not true. That's not true. Kids <laughs> who listen to the show. Kids who listen to the show who, of course, got their parents' permission before downloading the whole, wrestling, you... the, the whole wrestling show, the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down right. the middle. All you kiddos, I'm sorry to say your Uncle Perry hates you. I don't hate them. But your Uncle After Darren. After vodka tonics, at, I, may, I may say mean things. But your Uncle Darren loves you. Mm. And he thinks that if you think Christmas should be every day, then it should be. Because <laughs> your Uncle Darren thinks that WrestleMania should be every day. If Christmas slash WrestleMania were every day, it wouldn't mean anything anymore. Yes, it would. It would mean every day is awesome. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. If every day is awesome, then every day is mediocre. No. Every day is awesome. No. You use the no, word awesome. No. If awesome is the, is the standard day, then every day is standard. No. But every, every day is awesome. But it can't be. So are you one of those, like... Are you like? Are you like self? Are you like self-flagellate? If, if, if in every, order to if, appreciate if awesome, when that, you're not hitting yourself, Darren. If every day is awesome, that means every day is the best. But if, if every day is the best day, then every day is an average day. You see what I'm saying? I see what I see the I'm mathematical. I mean, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a chaotician. I see the part. mathematical equation you're li- you're you're lying out right. that makes it impossible for me to disagree. Without sounding like I'm against logic, <laughs> but I'm not anti-logic. I'm pro, I'm, a, I, about, about, I'm pro happiness. Okay, I'm, so I'm sorry I'm, that you I, hate I, I, about, good about, things. About, about, I'm a logician. Okay, I'm a Are you? Robert Loja fan. <laughs> well, he's dead. Shut up! <laughs> Shut up! He's around the corner. He's every day. Actually, if you're that kid in that orange juice commercial, Robert Loja is right around the corner. Oh, Do you no. remember that commercial? I remember that. Commercial. I'm Robert Loja. Drink your orange juice. But anyway, Roman wins the belt. Lottie da for him. That's fine. Whatever. I, I don't. It, it. The even the Miz having it, which I'm usually all for. It wasn't doing anything for him. He didn't I need liked it. it. I liked. To me. To me, that was a good example of the hood ornament belt. I don't care who has it. Just fucking defend it, please. Fair enough. Fair enough. God, I don't care if Jason Jordan has it. Well, the problem with I don't the- care if Headbanger Mosh fucking has it. Just Ooh. defend it. No. I don't care if Ahmed Johnson with his thong has it. He totally did have that thong. You know that. Search your, search your feelings. You know that <laughs> to be true. All right, well, enough about what happened just yesterday. we got to go back a couple more days because I do want to celebrate this this really fun weekend that we got to watch a whole lot of live wrestling from Houston, Texas. So I think we should go ahead and talk about uh, the results from our head-to-head. Head-to-head. NXT War Games, take it away. NXT War Games. Parentheses takeover took place this past Saturday, and uh, what a night it was! Again, NXT only gets two hours of prime time uh, on Saturdays for their takeover, which happens every few months. But man, they hit it out of the park every time, and and War Games was certainly no exception to that. Uh, what you agree, Darren? Yeah, and they crammed. Well, they told us they were cramming six matches into this two-hour takeover. But nope, they uh, bait and switched us, and uh, it was only five matches. 
They did have a couple of matches that they aired this week on NXT programming. That doesn't count. I know it doesn't count, but we really thought we were getting a UK Championship match as the opener for TakeOver. We did not. Well, what's weird, too, is these these matches film at TakeOver, but they air on NXT television. Why not just add a third hour to TakeOver? Right. They're clearly not dart matches or tryout matches. Right. They're... They're 100% legit matches. Hello? I don't understand. I don't get it. And if they're like, oh, well, we got to have something to air the next week and we don't have time for the TV taping, well, then tape that show that you did on Friday uh-huh. where Shawn Michaels was your special guest referee. Why is that a throwaway show? Or fucking play Nakamura versus Samoa Joe again. You played it three times after it happened. Really? Add the cage a- match was played like three times. Really? Make TakeOver a three-hour network special Period. Say no more for now. Let's go ahead and get into War Games here. From uh, Saturday the 18th of November 2017 in Houston, Texas. Do you want to cover the UK match first like it happened? We can. Let's go ahead and do that because we did make the pick. We, We did make the pick and we watched it on NXT television. Dear listeners, if you didn't catch NXT television this week... The match can be found there. Right. Don't go looking for it on the War Games uh, section on your you're gonna, WWE you're gonna network. Feel silly. Well, you're gonna feel silly, or you're gonna think that we're awfully silly. Right. And uh, I can assure you that we are dead serious. I assure you, people think that we are in the very least silly. At the very least. Right. And uh, <laughs> I'm laughing right now for no reason other than the fact that I am silly. You're very silly, is why. Alright, so let's go ahead and start then with the first match. Since we did make it a pick, we're gonna and it did happen. And it did actually happen chronologically in this place. Let's go ahead and talk about Pete Dunn, the bruiserweight, the United Kingdom champion, the WWE United Kingdom champion, as he took on Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano. Superb match. Too bad it didn't take place on the takeover, uh, but it was a very, very good match. Nonetheless, and uh, all the all the good stuff that you expect. Pete Dunn looks like he's dropped about twenty pounds. He has dropped quite a bit of weight. His, I hope it's all for a good reason. Yeah, his hair has grown longer, and uh, he's definitely dropped some weight for sure. Which obviously, I guess, makes him a bit more light on his feet. Um, so hopefully, he's finding it easier to move around the ring. Not that he was ever a big guy. I thought he had like a good amount of bulk. I thought like his build was pretty much perfect for what he does. Um, but. Seems to move a little faster, I guess. I don't know, but definitely thinner. Is what I'm uh, yeah, I think he's trying to. I think he's trying to out skinny jeans, uh, Trent Seven. Oh, okay, so maybe that's it. Maybe they're in a battle for who can get the the tightest jeans on uh, between now and 2018. Sooner or later, Seven will be Trent six and a half <laughs> if he keeps up trying to lose some of that weight. Um, anyway, Gargano though, obviously really great, uh, great wrestler, great more or less cruiserweight because he, he did compete in CWC. Um, and uh, no, like I said, very, very good match. Uh, and it ended the way we thought it would end. Why would you have someone who isn't from the UK win the UK championship at this point? At this case, point. At this point. At this point until D'Lo Brown comes in and wins it again. When he had the European belt, come on. He did no favors to that European title. Um, I'm going to harp on that, I guess. But... <laughs> Pete Dunn does hold on to it. He hits that the bitter end finisher that looks really cool. The pump handle slam into, I don't know, some sort of plex slam. Um, this is very cool looking. Some sort of plex slam. Some sort of plexi slam. Uh, but anyway, 
Uh, yeah, very good match. Check it out on NXT when you get a chance. And uh, with that, we move on. We both picked Pete Dunne. We both picked Pete Dunne because we uh, we were very smart and very silly. So now, dear listeners, if you are tuning into War Games proper on your WWE network, on your television or device, now you will be joining us properly here. I, I thought at the top of the show, uh, this is of course after the pre-show, Top of the show, having uh, Percy and Morrow and Nigel standing at the top of the ramp was the coolest looking shot of announcers in a long time. Uh, when we get to the Survivor Series the following night and we get the like expanded five-man table with Corey Graves sitting in the middle, literally doing double duty between Raw and SmackDown Live, that's pretty cool. But I love this shot of Morrow and Nigel and Percy at the beginning of uh, TakeOver because it looked like something special. It, it, and that's that's what I'm so sick of. Uh, I know the other day for while we were trying to kill some time, you and I and a friend of ours uh, sat down and we were watching an episode of ECW television. And I'm talking about WWE ECW. Okay, yeah, yeah. And we were watching, I think it was from 08 or 09, and it looked... You mean the good times. <laughs> no, I do not. And it was The Miz and Morrison and early, early Jack Swagger and nobody, at least in WWE's eyes, nobody CM Punk. And uh, the thing was, it looked like it was shot yesterday. Mm -hmm. One, the advent of HD television has made it so now you can no longer track time in television by the quality of the picture because now it's perfect. Well, eventually we're going on when like, television is just laser beam shot into your brain, obviously it's like, I have to sit down and watch this. They can't just shoot this into my brain so I know what it is. So so first of all, there's that. Then no, you no, realize... No, more about laser beam television. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. You see, Darren, in the future, we'll have laser beams. <laughs> okay. I think we have laser beams now. But, Just uh, for but the sake of we argument. We won't have cars. We'll have laser beams. Okay, we're going to travel on laser beams? Travel sure. via We won't laser have beam? to travel. They, they'll shoot travel into our brain via, uh, that via, sounds, via laser beams. This sounds like The Matrix, and it sounds horrible. <laughs> well, you'll, you'll be killed instantly when the laser beam hits your brain. <laughs> That's probably true. So, uh, before we get there... However, let's go back for just a second to 2009. I look forward to when the podcast is just laser beams. <laughs> then you won't have to listen to us be silly as shit. <laughs> you can just know it instantly via laser beam. Did you blast yourself in the latest episode of the whole Reffin show, the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle? Did you? Did you blast yourself? <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> That's so stupid. Why was I even talking? Okay. I'm so sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I know. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Oh, okay. I don't. So, I don't usually apologize for my tangents, but I, I apologize for that one. But my point is, on ECW, WWE, CW, you have the highest quality of television production. You have the exact same ramp, the exact same ring setup. Everything look. Even our buddy RJ, when I had to say, you know, this is like 11 years ago, and he was like. What? Right. And I was like, 
Yeah, he was like, oh, I thought this was last week. Because he doesn't really keep up with the product like we do. So he didn't know. When he sees Jack Swagger coming to the ring, he's just like, oh, who's that? And I'm like, he's a guy from a long time ago. You think when he saw Bruno San Martino <laughs> holding that belt, he would have known. Silly RJ. Uh, anyway, my point is, everything looks the same and now has looked the same for far too long. You can have your opinions on what looks good and what looks bad and what looked better than whatever, but I still like the fact that you know you change something. Now you find something and go, oh, that looks great. Let's never change it. That was what was so fun about Raw and Nitro during the Monday Night War was the sets would change, the quality would change, the lighting would change. Raw, Raw typically was, was very well lit. Nitro was a little darker. So it, it was strange seeing people, it was a lot stranger seeing people on either or, especially when they when they jump ship, because it was like, oh, it's weird seeing them like under those lights or in that ring or with that logo in the corner. But I see what you're saying. Well, yeah, because as soon as you got used to one entrance way, they went to a different entrance way. Right. Or they, they're, oh, it's the same entrance way, but we added this. My point is, I, I mean, I don't know how many times I have to say this, like, the things I wish would stay the same in wrestling never do. The things that I wish would change. Is this about Big Cass and Enzo breaking up? You wish no. they'd so okay. No. It's okay, you know how you said, Oh, good luck, Darren. Good luck enjoying continuity in pro wrestling. It'll never happen. See, that's where I want things to stay the same. I want there to be an acknowledgement of a history and of a plan and of a pattern and of a chronology. But what I don't want to stay static or or constantly the same is the setup and everything. And that's my point. Having Morrow and Nigel and Percy stand there at the top of the ramp, it looked so different. It was engaging. Right. It was immediately engaging because I was like, huh. I sat up. I paid a little closer attention because it wasn't just, oh, we're sitting here behind this table. We know how that we know every inch of the blueprint of this table because of how often it gets destroyed. Right. We're sitting here because we've been told to sit. No, they they stood up. It looked like there was some immediacy, some urgency. It looked like quote unquote fight night. It had a fight night feel. It almost seemed more like we're about to watch some boxing, or even if or we're gonna we're it's wrestling, but it's a different promotion. It was just different enough to be cool. Takeover consistently has that feel though. Because takeovers are special. Like we said before, it's kind of like ECW. You only got it so often. Right, but it and, consistently and it has it. more. And also NXT has just different enough look. It's that smaller audience. It's that, that different light, you know, that, that orange light, you know, that's, that's kind of the NXT color, I guess, you know, officially slash unofficially. So I mean, it, it does look different in its own. And also trying something new like that does make it a bit more different and kind of like legitimizes like oh it's a special night folks it is a takeover uh, like like i said every takeover is like the wrestlemania that they have every three months you know what i mean it's a big deal I, and i and, just and very, like quick, the... very quickly i never said there was no continuity in wrestling i just said they like to reset button as often as they can they do address old feuds and stuff like that so it's just real quick yeah and i just i i think that the consistently like you're saying they they're they're i don't know it's just so much better when something is different to look at, like my eyes have seen the have seen raw so much that they're just they're dying to see something different. I understand. Uh, it's like 
just uh, like hell the about the only thing they do change is every two or years or two or three years they will change the intro package including the song and i and i always support it even if it was a song that i previously liked and they go to a new intro for raw that i don't necessarily love i at least appreciate the fact that something has changed i, I understand that i understand what you're saying uh general hospital uh, wrestling is, is usually compared to uh, you know, are usually usually considered a, a male soap opera. Sure, right? sure. Okay, yeah. Long time been General, considered that. General Hospital's been on since forever, eighties, I guess, maybe sooner. I don't know. I, Pro- I don't know. I, I I don't know. But my point is, General Hospital has looked the same for years and years and years and years, and that's just that's just the way it is. This show that is is consistently coming out once a week. Raw once a week, SmackDown once a week, NXT once a week. It's going to look the same because you see it all the time. It's like when someone loses a lot of weight. They they don't notice it because they see themselves in the mirror every single day. So there are probably small changes going on that you don't even recognize are going on. Like like SmackDown has slightly different camera angles, which which you notice immediately when it started happening. And it was kind of like, man, like why can't Raw do this? Then Raw started doing that. So they, they kind of bark from each other. So there are slight changes here and there that you wouldn't necessarily notice. But no, ECW had the production, the, the WWE CW had the same production values that WWE had. So it did get to a point and is at the point where you can go back 15 years. And unless it's like Raw is War, like the old you know Attitude Era wrestling, when you hit 2005 and up, you can basically just surf around on Raws and it would look like you just saw this on Monday. Yeah, in terms of production. Absolutely. No, no, I, I definitely see what you're saying. And that's weird because then it's really, really strange when you see the human beings, though, and you're like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Because oh, here's a John Cena that's suddenly 12 years younger. Right. Or here is Ashley Massaro. I don't even know who that person is. Or, whoa, here's rookie so-and-so. Bruno... Sam Martino, <laughs> right? He was never rookie. He was always champion. But anyway, I love the beginning of the show. If the show had, <laughs> <laughs> if the show had come on, the three of them had said, "Welcome to Takeover War Games." We're in Houston, Texas. I'm Mauro Ronaldo. Blah blah blah. Good night, folks. I'd have been like, that was pretty good. Hey, that was different. I that, liked it. that was a pretty good takeover. That was different looking. But no, we don't only get that. We do get an excellent NXT card. And let's go ahead and jump right into it. First match proper. The first... We can't jump right into it. Well, we're not jumping right into it. If you're listening from the beginning of this podcast, we haven't jumped into anything. No, well, let's let's finally jump into it. Let's finally dip our toe in TakeOver here. The opening match is Lars Sullivan versus Cassius Ono. Large Sullivan, I call him. And he is. And he is a monster. Like I said, this guy is like one-third French Angel, one-third George the Animal Steel, one-third Sid Vicious. Like this guy, and, and, and like one-third, so that's four-thirds, one-third Brock Lesnar. Like I am so excited about the future for this guy. I'm so excited about the present. Every time he comes to the ring, uh, I'm excited about it. And now that he's getting like an actual match... You know, we've seen him in all kinds of actual matches at live events, 
But as far as TV, he just comes out and squashes folks. But to have a sort of a legitimate opponent here, somebody that poses a chance against him in Cassius Ono is, is very cool. And I thought that, as always, and I've said this for years, but the agility of Cassius Ono is remarkable. For a man, his height and his size to be able to move like he does, get his legs up high, kip up off the mat, uh, everything he does uh, is, is impressive. Equally as impressive, the way that Lars Sullivan can manhandle Cassius Ono. Because Ono is even bigger than Sullivan. He's certainly not as, you know, muscular. Like, you know, uh, Lars Sullivan looks like like a shaved ape. Like, he looks like a, uh, I think, you would you say, Mandy Rose is a, uh, a muscle map? Well, he's like a muscle map that's inflated. Right. Like, oh my God, this guy is terrifying. He, he looks like a, a villain from, like, an a, a old medieval movie right i mean he looks like yeah he looks like a a standard bad guy from that you know i'm gonna find you like he he looks like he's part orc (laughs) yeah i really hope he's not listening uh because he'd kill us he he has that look that, that that just screams pro wrestler villain Pro wrestling villain. Pro wrestling villain. He, he's he's a Vader. He's a Bam Bam Bigelow. He is born to be a wrestling villain. Yeah, yeah. And because of that strength and that size, he throws Cassius Ono around. It, it, it's it's really crazy, and he kind of makes short work of him. Yeah, solid match, but it ends the way that we think it should end. Which I mean, the sky's the limit for Lars Sullivan. I mean, Vince is on board. Lesnar's blessing. This guy's heading to the main show sooner, not later. Cassius Ono, I feel bad for though. Because he, he kind of, he's become the guy, the kind of, I don't want to say jobbing him out, but I mean, no, he's he missed kinda... opportunity with the NXT title, and now he says, I'll take care of this this young upstart, Lars Sullivan. Ow, he hurt me. So I mean, it is kind of like, what's God's plan for right, Cassius Ono? Right, there's no, yeah, there's no young upstart left in Cassius Ono. Exactly. But yet he hasn't been to the top of the mountain, so what, he just, you know, he's the, he's the bridge troll. He's the mid-card bridge troll, and it's like... Okay, we, we just basically compared Lars Sullivan to a troll, and now we're calling Cassius Ono a troll. And that Mandy Rose troll, too. Man. <laughs> gross. It's almost like that Vince McMahon troll. Oh, man. It's almost like that key to success troll. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Something we don't want. No. But, uh, uh Cash No, my Soto. favorite part, my favorite part, by the way, is Lars Sullivan saying, Right here, baby. After the match, a la Mike Awesome. Mm-hmm. Any callback to Mike Awesome is a callback that I endorse. R.I.P. Mike Awesome. R.I.P. Bud. Uh, but yeah, it goes over the way we think it will. We both said Lars Sullivan would be the victor, and uh, he is. So, moving on. He absolutely wins this match, as we predicted. Now, next up, we have the Velveteen Dream taking on... Alistair Black. Now, both of us picked Alistair Black to win this match because we said there's no way they're going to make Alistair Black say his name, mm-hmm. meaning uh, give in to Velveteen Dream's taunts to say my name. And we also said this is too early to kind of humiliate Alistair Black this way. Right. So it seemed like a, a no, like a no-brainer for us to both pick Alistair Black. But... Damn, 
they have a good match. This is a this might be like show stealing match if not for that War Games being as good as it was. Um, very very solid match. We talk about Patrick Clark a lot, aka a Velveteen Dream, um, and and we've we said it a couple times in the past. We don't say it enough. Uh, there's a lot of old school WWF in a lot of what Velveteen Dream does, and you know the fact that he wore the he wore the pants that he wore uh, to uh, Takeover were very Rick Rude style with him on one leg, airbrushed on one leg, and then Alistair Black airbrushed on the other leg. Obviously, very Rick Rude esque, uh, but also his movements. It might be that that top rope uh, elbow drop, but a lot of Macho Man Randy Savage in this guy. There is. He's got a great build too. He's super fast. His he's got some innovative moves. Um, Man, there's some fucking awesome moves in this match. And the... From, from both men. The new hairdo on Velveteen Dream. Which is good. He needed to do something. He needed to, to do that do... He needed to do... Yeah, the, it was a don't. Yeah. Uh, up until this night in, in Houston. Yeah. A totally deliberate uh, quaff with a sort of... I don't even know what you would call it. It was sort of like a... Basically like a... I don't know. Almost like a... I really don't know how to describe this weird you haircut. You don't know how to describe a haircut, but it's kind of like it's kind of like an Elvis Roy Orbison bouffant pompadour type pompadour thing. Okay, with a little bit of ducktail involved, but really fancy. Some squiggle designs shaved to the sides. Excellent look. It, it was it was nice. Excellent look. That with the new tights. Yeah, I I, I did. I mean, if, if you haven't seen uh, NXT War Games, I do recommend going back to watch this match. That's how good of a match this it's great. is. It's great. You need to check this match out. Um, and yeah, they, they both deliver. It, it could go either way, you know, because the match is so good. It's kind of like, I don't care who wins at this point. Uh, however, like we said, Aleister Black kind of needs to win this match because he's definitely got momentum. And I think a loss is going to kind of stop that momentum. Um, and Velveteen Dream can take a loss and, and keep going. That's fine. He's doing great. Great heel work, and uh, it's a very unlikely pairing, but oh my god, I'm glad they were paired up. What a great matchup this has been. Because it definitely had a really great payoff to it, and uh, Aleister Black does go over a Velveteen Dream. However, consolation prize to the Velveteen, Aleister Black does say, enjoy infamy, Velveteen Dream. So he, he did he did get to hear his name. It was there. great. The, the look on Dream's face afterward, uh, all around, great storytelling, Great athleticism, great character work, great charisma, uh, again, great chemistry between the two. All around, shit, all around, yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't fight against the War Games match itself. But if not for that, this is match of the night. Yeah, absolutely. So, this is one of my matches of the year. I'm going to go ahead and say that. This is in my top ten matches of the year. Wow. So, but... Moving on to the women's title match. This is for the vacant NXT Women's Championship. We're going to see Nikki Cross of Sanity. Kyrie Sane, the, 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 what, what did Jim Ross call her? The boating enthusiast. The boating enthusiast. What, what, what else did he call her? Uh, a yachts person? Yeah, yeah. She, she, she's, she's a she's yacht a person. She's a yachtsman. Yeah. Peyton Royce, one half of the iconic duo, and Ember Moon. Right. Peyton Royce, not accompanied to the ring by uh, Billy Kay. Billy Kay comes about halfway down the ramp with her and decides she's going to go back because Peyton, you got to do this on your own, Peyton. 
uh, which doesn't help Peyton Royce at all. <laughs> but, no, uh, no, no. Uh, but fun match, really great. Uh, we love all these ladies. They're all talented in their own different ways. Um, it's interesting seeing Kyrie Sane uh, incorporated into NXT uh, wrestling. You know, she has a lot to. I think everyone's got to kind of get a feel for her, for her style and and her moves and her skill set and what have you. So it's it's interesting to kind of see her dumped into this match. It, it's it is kind of like oh we don't. I don't know what you do. Like, <laughs> there, there was quite a bit of that throughout the match, it seemed. Yeah. There's a little bit of miscommunication. Yeah, I was sort of like throwing Masato Tanaka uh, into a match with Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten back in old yeah, ECW yeah, yeah, days. Yeah. Like, uh, that may have been a little bit smoother because at least they were like, well, let's hit each other in the head with chairs. Right. But there was still a, a learning curve there. It's like, we don't ever wrestle each other. What do we do? What do we do? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's very evident with Kyrie saying. I think that she belongs and she is an excellent uh, wrestler and entertainer and a hell of a risk taker. But she does stick out um, when the four of these women are in the ring together. You picked Ember Moon to win this match. Right. And we're very confident in your decision. Right. Turns out that rightfully so. I went with Nikki Cross simply because I thought Ember Moon was going to suffer sort of a Cassius Ono or Hideo Itami fate, Mm -hmm. which is... Yes, dear, you were supposed to win, but we put it off, we put it off, regardless of why. Mm-hmm. We did it, we did it, we did it, and now that ship has sailed. And I really thought well, that's ship, where we were. The ship is being uh, captained by the boating enthusiast, Kyrie Sane. Clearly, character straight out of soul caliber, Kyrie Sane is, is sailing this ship. But I thought the ship on Ember Moon had sailed, at least for now. Mm-hmm. I thought surely Ember Moon will end up with the championship. It wouldn't be on this night, but I was wrong. Yeah. I was wrong. You were right. Ember Moon hits the eclipse. These are words that I hear often, folks. Ember Moon hits the eclipse, her finisher, on both Nikki Cross and Peyton Royce at the same time. Right. They thought the two necks combined, they can handle this this uh, this move, this devastating move. And Ember Moon then pins Nikki Cross for the one two. Three. After the match, William Regal, the general manager of NXT, and Asuka, Asuka. herself, the woman who relinquished this belt, which made it uh, be up for grabs in this bout, they present the women's belt to Ember Moon. And I think Ember Moon, at least the character, if not the woman behind the character, and a lot of the audience, and me, were just waiting for Asuka to attack her. Yeah. And uh, But it was interesting to see Asuka sort of be like, genuine like oh i'm presenting this title i'm doing i'm being professional here right but i couldn't help but wait for the other shoe to drop and her just go crazy on ember moon pins ember moon and gets her belt back immediately (laughs) that would have been great anyway happy for ember moon she definitely deserves it she's worked very hard i remember seeing her at house shows before she even had a name um she was just called the woman with no name that's not true she wasn't called ember moon is my point so <laughs> all of a sudden she shows up wearing the Ember Moon gear, you know, being teased on NXT. And uh, no, she's worked very hard, and I, I knew it was only a matter of time for her to have the belt. And I've always said I don't care if Ember Moon becomes champion because she deserves to be NXT Women's Champion. I just don't want her to be an Oscar for it. And I got my you got candy. Every, well, you got everything you wanted. I got everything I ever you wanted got- in life. I did. I should probably uh, wish for uh, things that will benefit me in the future. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, you're going to get them. So, yeah. so Ember Moon. But can't lose let anybody. me say, <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Oh no, you might just get it. Oh, I did. 
Uh, yeah, you did. Maybe, maybe you don't have to be so careful. Okay. I'm going to stop being, I'm going to start being careless <laughs> about what I wish for. Right. Uh, at this point in the show, we've seen Asuka actually before this point sitting with Finn Balor uh, at ringside. We get a lot of people at ringside or WWE stars who were in NXT or just WWE stars who are in attendance. And uh, one of my favorite ones on this night is we see Samoa Joe, we see Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens stands up and he's got his blazer on and he, and he pulls his blazer open just a little bit so that you could clearly see his Undisputed Era t-shirt. And I thought, what a killer nod to his good friend, Adam Cole, and just a really nice endorsement from heel to heel uh, of Kevin Owens and from main roster to NXT. Not mm-hmm. just, oh, we're here supporting the, the team. No, Kevin Owens in character, yeah. you know, sticking to who he would support as a character. Wrestlers shouldn't support non-associated wrestlers. Like, Undisputed Era might be NXT, but they're still kind of outsiders. Um, right. Well, yeah, which, but which, I love which it. I think is working so well, but I think it's kind of weird that they're almost trying to do that again with all the women uh, faction showing up in Raw and SmackDown. It's like, are these just more Undisputed Era type things going on? Right. They are kind of working that trio very heavily. Especially the Shield coming back and they're they're kind of on the outs with their own company it's kind of like is this just like trios saying we're in but we're not in right right in the pen ultimate match of the evening the nxt's top prize is on the line the nxt championship held by drew mcintyre is defended against andrade cien almas and almas it seems like he's the perennial contender at this point or he's the perennial contender to be the contender. Right. This guy has had a lot of number one contender matches. And uh, it's nice to see him get a shot here. Get a straight one-on-one shot. This is at a takeover. He's not being uh, you know, superseded by a, a, a newcomer. It's just, here you go. Here, Almas, here's your shot. And uh, as I believe you said, uh, yes, and McIntyre will win. Moving on, moving on. Boy. Hey. When I agreed with you just as quickly as you said that, we may have been a little off. A little off there. It seems that whenever we are like for sure about something in wrestling, it always comes back to bite us in the ass. Um, putting the belt on Andrade was not a move that anyone could have foreseen. No one. And it was a great match, by the way. It was a very, very good match. I'm not a huge fan of either one of these two guys. Again, I recognize that they are very skilled wrestlers, but I'm not bored on it. I'm not on board with the character, basically, of, of either one of them. But I mean, they put on a hell of a match, and the the match, the finish, was definitely very surprising. Obviously, uh, Andrade's lady slash manager uh, got involved quite a bit during the match. Um, though there was an incident where you're, you're led to believe that she puts his foot on the rope to break up a three count. Oh, yikes. She tries to and doesn't actually do it, but Andrade has to put the foot up for her. Um, so he doesn't get counted out, but I like that WWE.com put up on like Facebook, like this is her clearly helping Andrade. And it's like, no, no, if you watch it, her, her hands don't quite get to Andrade's legs in time. So he's put his foot up on his own, but yeah, but, but, but okay. Anyway, that, that's just one example. That, that's one thing that kind of bothered me, but beyond that, she's right on the, she's right on point. You know, at one point when Drew's on his knees, you know, reeling from his, uh, grueling battle with Andrade and then, 
And she comes in and does like a hurricanrana to him. Because he's, he's actually... Because even when he's on his knees, he's about the same height as she is. Comes and hits him with that hurricanrana, which, you know, takes his face straight to the mat. Um, and dazes him enough for Andrade to kind of capitalize. Sets him up on that top rope. Um, sets up the giant that is Drew McIntyre on that top rope. And uh, looking to come off the top rope with the uh, DDT. Of course, in this situation, towards the end of the match, this is Drew up on the top rope by himself. Andrade's still on the, still standing on the mat. So basically, he's getting him revved up for like a super DDT off the top rope. Um, but it looks like Drew maybe kind of kicks off with his legs a little too soon. Which, uh, obviously, Andre wanted to kind of milk the moment for just a few seconds more. But all of a sudden, all of Drew McIntyre's weight is, is coming toward uh, Andrade. And he has to kind of try to correct for it, which he doesn't quite do. So the, the the landing looks pretty painful. It looks pretty gnarly. It does look pretty bad for, for Drew McIntyre. Um, and it is bad for Drew McIntyre because he gets pinned. He gets pinned and loses that NXT Championship. <laughs> what?! Yeah, we did not see that coming. No, we, we thought didn't. for sure this was a filler opponent. Oh yeah, and the fact that the NXT Championship changes hands and it's not the main event is also kind of weird too. We thought for sure War Games would be the actual main event, and it was. We were right about that. But you know, we thought like this won't be the main event. Andrade is not going to become champion, and and that's it. But we don't take into account, of course, whatever WWE likes to reach down and grab talent to pull up to the main shows, and I think. I mean, that they say that Drew McIntyre is now injured because of this match, you know, for six months, they say, which I think is a work. I think he may have hurt himself during the match, but it's not a six months kind of hurt. I think that's just an excuse to have him just show up on Raw randomly. Yeah, we'll see. They're calling it a bicep tear. Right. Uh, I don't know how he necessarily would have torn a bicep yeah. on that last move. Mm -mm. Maybe they're not saying it happened on the last move. There were a couple other really crazy spots, you know. I know that Almas was able to hit a Hurricane Rana to, to Drew McIntyre into the ring post at one point. Then he climbs the ring post himself and does that moonsault off of the ring post yeah. uh, or off the top rope which to I've the only, outside. Which I've only ever seen Aki Man do that in, uh, <laughs> <laughs> in WCW Revenge for Nintendo 64. Yeah? Yeah, man. Well, now you've seen it for real from Andrade Cien Almas. I did. But Andrade Cien Almas is your and my and everyone's NXT champion. Cool, though. It, it is kind of cool. It is cool. It is kind of cool. Again, it was unexpected, and it, it's nice just to see the belt go to someone else. And someone also very unsuspecting. And I, I will say deserving. He has definitely put in his time. He's he's always put on good matches, consistently good matches. Um, and I'm, I'm getting more and more on board with Andrade. I know the last episode going into this, you said that you were very on board with where the character is at now. And I do think he is at his best right now. He is. He totally is. So him as champion, you know, three months ago, I've been like, what the fuck are you doing? Him as champion now, I'm, I'm behind that. So, well, we both picked Drew McIntyre to win Duh, this Damn it. So it does not help us, uh, in our picks here. Um, however... What that ends up doing is it ensures, because we both pick the next match, we pick the same person, whether they win or not, mm. uh, we pick the same team. This mean, this ensures that you win. You win this head-to-head. Head-to-head. You know, Darren, I want to say it feels good, but that's not true. It feels very good. Oh, look at you. You're so clever. 
Now we are headed into our main event. The first time we have seen a War Games match in what? 18 years? Since 1931? I think they're saying, I think it's 18 years. Since 19, uh, 1999 or 2000 would have been the final War Games match. And in honor of the War Games match coming back at ringside, we have Dustin Rhodes and Arn Anderson seated there in the front row in Houston, Texas, waiting to see the double cage drop down across the double rings. And yes, it was a pleasure all night long to see both rings sitting there. Right, we didn't quite mention that. There are two rings, as, as we, were, we were hoping there would be. Um, two rings set up side by side, and they alternate which ring to have the normal matches in, which is nice that way more people get that front row. Sure, they get that front row experience, twice as many people. Another thing that was really, really interesting to note was that they had built a little grate, a little cover for the gap between the two rings. Right. The, something that had never, ever, ever, ever been covered in the history of war games. Which has been problematic for many years because people would constantly walk between the two and like fall through. Right. People did it deliberately to hide right. and people inadvertently almost broke their legs mm -hmm. or their backs falling into that hole in, in innumerable instances. So it was nice for them to just preclude any possibility of that happening. Let's stick this here, this grating here, and it, nobody can fall through. Right. And so that was interesting. But we see the cage descend, and it looks, you know what it looks like? It looks like a War Games cage. It does, minus... Uh, minus... The top. Minus the top, which I was totally fine with. A lot of people, you included. Me included. A little peeved by this whole thing. But you got to remember, it's got to take away a lot of uh, movement within the cage if there's a low ceiling. I agree, but you have 364 other nights this year to do moves that need... Uh, no ceiling. Right. But at least, by the very least, they added the stipulation. This is important, if you, and it explains it, and I'm okay with it. If you do escape the cage at any point, and you actually leave the the, the area, and you basically, just, I guess if, if your feet touch the ground on the outside, you disqualify yourself and your entire team. And your team. entire team, yeah. So basically, that, that really took care of that. They added a whole bunch of weird rules. It does. It takes care of it in terms of rules, um, you know, they definitely put a bunch of rules in there and, and that's okay. Uh, but I did miss the top. The grandpa Beasley's of the world, right? Ain't no cage. Hashtag not my war games. Well, exactly. Hashtag not my war games. And you went fishing instead. Hashtag, you left the house and went fishing. Hashtag not my Sid Vicious dragging Brian Pillman's face along the top of the cage. Right. War games. Right. Not that anyone was Sid Vicious height. In which case, it would have made more sense. Like, yeah, you're gonna have, like if, if if Drew McIntyre were in the match, you basically have to like hunch over the entire match. Nevertheless, the fact that there was no lid, it took nothing away from the match, and in fact, once we get to the end, added something really cool because there was no lid on this cage. But other than the lid, it looked like the War Games cage, and that was very important to me. It was. The two rings and then there was steel wrapped around it? It was it. Yeah, baby. It was it. It yeah, was baby. great. It was really great. This was one of those times where they brought something from another company or from the a bygone era and it was just right. They didn't change it so much that it's like, oh, I just wish they'd have rather not done it at all instead of change it this much. 
not the not the case not the case with this war games it was just right but amongst all the rules that were very different were the inclusion of shark cages oh, i know your favorite yeah yeah old hasbro whoever makes who the fuck makes wwe toys these days uh, we're like we got we got a lot of these shark cages, guys. <laughs> we're gonna have to incorporate the shark cage into more of these matches. And actually, it goes to the uh, commentary team, and they have a ring with shark cages, like at their commentary booth. And it's like, can't we just use our imagination? Or are we gonna play a quick commercial for the shark cage? Or do we have to have these grown-ups play with these toys in front of us? Yep. 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 Okay. The good, last good, one. Good, good, the last good, one. Good. Okay. But there's three shark cages. Each team on this night in war games, there's three teams of three. You will start with one person from each team in the ring. The other two remain in the the shark cage. So there's three shark cages, each containing two members of each of the three teams on the top of the ramp. And then once time has expired, that cage empties and those two members both join the fray. And I thought that was interesting because it puts you at an extreme uh, numerical disadvantage immediately uh, upon the inclusion of one full team the end of your first time period but anyway it's kind of interesting to see them up there on the stage in the shark cages very very old school made me think late 80s wcw like old nwa type stuff and that's always fun because you don't see that stuff anymore because like we said everything looks the same these days Mm -hmm. so when you see something that looks really different it's very exciting So all three teams come out. They decide who's going into the ring and who's going into the cages. And the thing I notice the most is that Roddy Strong is dressed up just like the Authors of Pain. Right. So now they kind of look like the Shield. Because there's three of them. Only they're wearing camo and they're wearing gauzy veils over Ninja Turtle masks. Yeah. I thought it was funny. Roddy Strong pulls... His helmet and veil off at the same time, so you never see his Ninja Turtle mask. Probably smart. Very smart, because it's not a good look. But when the masks come off, they also, they're wearing just their camo fatigues. And it kind of like, it reminded me of the old WCW when, uh, what, Sting, Luger, Hogan, and Macho. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and they weren't going for that at all. This is what they, this is what AOP typically wears, and Roger Strong was just kind of mirroring them. But also, it is kind of a throw to, uh, to Kurt Angle. You know, wearing the the riot gear with the shield, it's kind of like it's just going to happen just once a month now. Or anyway, but <laughs> there again, there's so much product out there that WWE is putting out. It's hard to do something new that doesn't look like they're just copying what they just did. Uh, Unfortunately, with Raw and SmackDown, more often than not, if anything new happens on Raw, something very similar tends to happen on SmackDown. That's been an issue ever since SmackDown came back. Oh, absolutely. Normally, NXT doesn't factor into that uh, equation, but in this instance, it does. Roddy Strong didn't need to... to he didn't need to look assimilate. like them. He didn't need to match them. Yeah, it's about NXT. It's not about AOP. But anyway. Exactly. So the match starts out with one member from each team, which are Eric Young, representing Sanity, Adam Cole, representing the Undisputed Era, and Roderick Strong, representing his team, his Ninja Turtle, his GI Ninja Turtles. The GI Ninja Turtles. And uh, then, eventually, the Undisputed Era enters... That's Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. <laughs> then the authors of Pain enter. And lastly, Killian Dane and Alexander Wolf of Sanity enter. And now it is nine men 
beating the hell out of one another. It's interesting, too, because when Killian Dane comes in, it takes him a long time to get in, by the way. He throws in all kinds of weapons into the ring. Yeah. He throws in kendo sticks. He throws in, I think, maybe trash cans. All kinds of stuff goes in. He grabs two tables out and throws them into the ring. And uh, then he chains the door shut. And then he locks it and actually swallows the key uh, in the match. <laughs> but it's kind of like, well, now, don't you want your opponents to escape? Because if they do, they they forfeit the match. Like, what are you doing trying to keep them in? But I guess, oh, we are so crazy that we want to beat the crap out of you uh, and, and, you know, in the ring. So, I don't know. The logic there is kind of like, but wouldn't you? And also, <laughs> why is he doing it at all? Yeah. Shouldn't the referees be doing that? That is the thing, too. He's, he's struggling trying to put the latch in on the, the cage door. There are no referees anywhere near the door. So it's just him struggling for what seems like forever. <laughs> yeah. But it's probably about 20 seconds, which that's already way too that's long. That's too long. And the camera's just watching him try to latch the door shut. And he's like, because he's trying to do it from the inside. <laughs> so he's like got his little fingers out. He's like, I can't. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. It's a weird lock. Uh, so that that's that's a lot of fun. That's... It's a weird, bad moment, unfortunately. That being said, this match is pretty great. This match is a lot of fun. A lot of really cool spots. A lot of really fun spots. Everyone gets their shit in. Everyone has a has a time to shine. Great moves. Great spots. Great wrestling. Great storytelling. Everything you would want in a war game. Absolutely, and with the exception of this match did not feature buckets of blood, mm -hmm. uh, although it did have some blood. Oh my god, Alexander Wolf! He looks like he was bludgeoned by something. Maybe the Bludgeon Brothers came in and beat up Alexander Wolf. Well, I noticed that Drake, the referee, uh, he got the, 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 the surgical gloves out, and that sure. means that someone is bleeding way too much. Sure. And it cuts to Alexander Wolf, and the back of his head is just gushing blood i never actually saw like a wound but it, it looked gnarly i was actually worried for i was like you need to get him out of the ring uh oh you can't because he'll be forfeit he'll forfeit the entire match but that's true that is true also killian dane swallowed the key also killian dane swallowed the key there's no way out there's no way out right but i of mean texas. of texas <laughs> nice um but uh, in the fray as we said there is no lid on the cage adam cole decides to climb up the cage and uh, I guess he's kind of just getting away from uh, Authors of Pain for a while. And uh, Roderick Strong follows him up. And eventually Roderick Strong superplexes Adam Cole off the top of the cage into everybody in the ring. Uh, which was a really, really cool spot. Uh, definitely worth uh, noting. Yeah, that was crazy. It was very, very cool. Very cool spot. We'll be watching that in replays forever. Forever. I'm watching it right now <laughs> in my heart. But what I was saying overall is this match, it deserves to be called War Games. Yeah. It deserves to have happened. All these guys deserve credit for it. This fits in the pantheon of War Games matches and matchups. They pulled it off. They, uh, they did everything they needed to do to honor this match and uh, elevate themselves through this match. And like I said, with the only exception being the absence of buckets of blood, this is a true blue war games match, which I would put up there, you know, against any of them. Absolutely. Any of the war games matches from the past. And I would clearly put this one over some of the some of the latter days oh, war God. games matches. Uh, this was a hell of a match. Anything about Bagwell in it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Yeah. He was in a couple. And in general. Um, but no, uh, totally great. And uh, ends the way we said it should end. Undisputed Era needs to establish dominance and keep that gravy train rolling on them biscuit wheels. And uh, they do. They go they over, do man. It. Hey, Undisputed Era. You did. <laughs> you won the war games, Adam Cole, Bebe, and company. Good job. That's it. NXT, TakeOver, War Games. A lot of fun. A lot of anticipation for uh, the night from my from myself. I can say that. The War Games coming back was a lot of fun. And uh, like I said, it delivered. It delivered. Yeah, I would love that third hour, guys. Let's come on, WWE. Let's put a third hour on this TakeOver. Give me six hours of NXT everything all the time. Just three hours every however many months. Just This needs to be... Uh, a, a showcase for more people. You have too many people on the roster to only have five matches. Just give me WWE Network, but give me another version of, of that. It's NXT, and it's just constant new matches of NXT. See, it, it is a 24-hour NXT wrestle show. Are you... okay? Afraid of the Dark? It's kind of funny. Yes. I think you're doing... You don't even realize what you're doing, which is you, you are like actually... This is an example of what a fan says, which is what I'm saying, and what you're saying is apparently what WWF hears. <laughs> uh, of course, I am being facetious. Uh, but they're not. Okay. okay. No, the WWE, uh, not the WWF, the WWE uh, take everything and misconstrue it. And then they go, is this what you wanted? No? Too bad. <laughs> Too bad. But they gave us exactly what we wanted here. In Houston this past weekend from NXT TakeOver War Games. And so thank you very much. Here on this Thanksgiving weekend, we are thankful for NXT TakeOver specials. They're a big, big part of what's right with wrestling today. Indeed. With NXT TakeOver coming to a close, the next day would be a Survivor Series. And Darren and I, we had our opinions, some of them different no, wait, no, they were all the same. We had all the same picks going into Survivor Series. So let, let's go into that, our head-to-head. Head-to-head. For your Survival Series. Sunday, the 19th of November, 2017, live from Houston, Texas, the WWE's two main brands, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live, present Survivor Series. Were you watching, dear listeners? We were. Harry and I were. I was watching Dear Listeners. Uh, well, I was <laughs> Watch watching... the Survivor Series. Oh, wow. Well, this is uh, us. <laughs> all the extra time we want on TakeOver, we don't get. But we do get a lot of extra time we don't want on WWE Network specials. Uh, and uh, they, they, wow, they really packed it in here. They made it a four-hour event instead of the three-hour. And they gave it a two-hour pre-show. So again, much like we experienced with SummerSlam, and definitely like we experienced with the ultimate thrill ride that was WrestleMania 33 from Orlando, Florida, we get a six-hour show. For some a six-hour show. For some reason, they think TakeOver only needs to be two, but somehow Survivor Series needs to be six. One of the big four, Darren. I know, but that's... Woo! That means 24 hours of wrestling out of the big four each year. Now, again, when we were kids, we we begged for this thing to happen. And I don't 
hate it now. I just kind of advise against it. Right. So, on the pre-show, a two-hour pre-show, we get three full matches. Opening matches, Elias, not Elias Sampson, and not the Drifter, just a man named Elias. And soon enough, just E. He eventually will be Guitar Man. Yes. And he will come out to uh, to Bread's Guitar Man. Aww. Or perhaps the cake cover Aww. of Guitar Man. Uh, which, that would probably be a, actually a better gimmick than he has now. But anyway, he takes on Matt Hardy. Who is clearly a man with no nation right now. And uh, I don't understand. You need to push this man hard as a singles guy. And just make him broken. And just do it. Or do something like it. Or go in another radical different direction. Or take him off the TV until Jeff gets back. But stop just doing this nothingness you're doing with him. Right. I I don't want to hear more rumors about where they're at with the lawsuit. Or the, the, the trademark for the broken gimmick anymore. I just, either either it happens or it doesn't at this point. I, I think we really, we kind of start to realize at this point that Matt Hardy was better off at Impact Wrestling as far as getting to see him do his thing. Right. And he shows at WrestleMania and it's like, yeah, all right, we're going to see broken Matt Hardy. No, we're not. Apparently, we're not. We haven't yet. So we've seen, it's cool to see Matt Hardy in WWE. Obviously, he's getting paid a lot more money than he was. And nothing. I will trade nothing for that pop at wrestling. Right. No, de- deserving, deservingly so, for sure. But at the same time, we're realizing that we aren't getting what we were promised. And we won't. And at this I'm point, we won't. sure we won't. At this point, we won't. We're not going to see the Hardy Compound. We're not going to see him riding a lawnmower. But we we had these fears though from way way back. We did. We knew it was coming. We're not going to see you know Vanguard One. We're not going to see Senior Benjamin. Like it's not going to be what it was, and that's just the way it is. We'll 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 see the WWE version of that, much like we saw the WWE version of ECW. You know, we'll, we'll see Vince's version of what that's supposed to be, and it's like it won't be as it won't be the same. It it might be good. It might be different, but it will never be the same. That's true. When are we going to learn? I don't know. I think I'm actually starting to learn. I think I'm starting to come around. And you know why? Hmm. Because we'll talk about it more when we get to the main event. But I think I'm starting to learn. It's taken me forever. Uh, I think Finn Balor is going to be my first. It's going to be the, the fulcrum. Okay. On which my transition uh, is going to uh, be complete. Okay. I feel like it started a while back when you and I started saying, stop signing with WWE. Yeah. That was us recognizing that it's... I think we forgot that we were saying that. No, we didn't forget, but we weren't quite saying what I'm about to say. Which I think we sort of both feel this way... And just haven't quite said it yet. We we wanted people to stop signing because we were just basically saying, hey, it's bloated right now, but still, please do come sign later. Right. But now I'm getting to the point where I'm like, no, just don't sign at all. No. Just don't ever come to WWE. Now, do I really mean that? Do I want these people to not have their WrestleMania moment, to not get a big or several big paydays, not to quote-unquote make it, 
you know, everybody's dream is to wrestle at WrestleMania, so sure. Do whatever it takes. Come to WWE. Sign. Live your dream. But then leave again. Right. And really be somebody. That's where I'm getting at. With the rumors starting to circulate that Vince McMahon is so, he's become so uh, lukewarm on Finn Balor that now they want to take him out of the main event of Royal Rumble where he was supposed to fight Brock Lesnar. That's it. That's my transition point here. I'm going to now say that not only everybody, hey, please stop signing with WWE right now. I'm going to say leave. Leave WWE. Go to New Japan, Finn. Jesus. I mean, Cody Rhodes is a good example, but I think Finn Balor... I know he probably feels like he owes it to himself to stick around a little bit longer because um, the injury really threw everything for a loop when he was injured uh, and stripped the day after becoming the first ever Universal Champion. Right. Because obviously the fact that he was the first ever Universal Champion meant big things. And you forget that. You forget that he was pushed to the moon immediately. Oh, exactly. I don't forget that. But and I, and I was awarded the highest honor in WWE... So you, Finn Balor might not be a good example, actually, of what you're trying to say. No, I think he is a good example at this point. Okay. Because uh, you could use somebody else for a different example, but Finn Balor works just as well because regardless of what you know peak he might have hit, he's now in a valley that he's not coming out of for a while. Right. Well, the, the very fact that Finn Balor showed up one day on Raw means that Vince had to go, all right, fine, I don't care, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, right. like, like Vince had to give in to it to someone else. Right. Because, you know, you know, fucking Vince probably saw his, his 8x10 or, like, saw some footage of him and went, but that, that little, like, that 150-pound guy wants to be, like, a world... No, fuck that guy. You know what I mean? So obviously, Triple H was like, no, no, Vince, it's going to be this, and then he's great, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, no, I don't want, no. You know what I mean, so oh, got, exactly. Oh, is he airbrushed like the Joker? Or is he airbrushed like you can't do that? We're not going to do that, right? Absolutely. So we're so. going to create our own version of it. Just so right. We, we can argue this all the time. There's plenty of people that have been mistreated, and we are saying it's okay to go because there are places to go. However, this match that we're talking about with Matt Hardy, him being kind of the 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 catalyst of this conversation, um, with Elias, and uh, Elias shows up on on Raw. And he has that that ideal Vince McMahon look. He's a big beefy dude. He's a good looking guy. I think that I think a lot of uh, the ladies like Elias. I think Elias is funny as shit. Uh, like I, I did not like Elias Sampson, the Drifter, when I first saw him at NXT house shows, well, and I was me like, neither. "This is horrible." And then the more I saw him, and I saw him do this really funny bit with the revival at a house show, and I thought, "Oh wait, no, no, I get it. He does. He, he's aware of himself. He does get it." So from then on, I was kind of like, "Okay, no, he's he's good." And he he's been consistently funny, and I think people actually enjoy him. Not 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 in the whole like you can't sing, get out of here way, but in like uh, oh here we go, Elias is gonna make fun of our football team kind of <laughs> kind of a way. So anyway, this Elias Matt Hardy match happens. We had no idea what was gonna happen. This kind of happens. Elias surprisingly gets over on Matt Hardy. Not for sure. Just let Matt Hardy get this win. Elias is nope. not undefeated. Uh, but no, he gets the win on Matt Hardy. Big deal for Elias. However, it's the pre-show, so it might as well not have happened. Moving on. Moving on, we get our Cruiserweight Championship match. We've got Enzo Amore taking on Kalisto. 
And I, how many times have they fought now? Several. Darren, but, Darren, you don't like this? Are you not enjoying this? Are you disliking this? Are you hating this? Are you... Kappa Kappa-hi. Dear listeners, I know you can't see that Perry's massive underbite while... <laughs> that he does not have in real life, but that he is affecting... I have to transform. I have to physically transform if I imperson- if I do an over-impersonation of uh, Enzo Amore. I feel like, I don't know what my face looks like, but I feel like when I'm doing Enzo Amore... You look very relaxed. I look like my head is about to float off of my neck. <laughs> like it's a balloon. I have to get, like, small. I have to, like, kind of, like, cringe into myself to become Enzo-sized, I guess. <laughs> but but you do you do look very, like, relaxed when you... When you, uh... you gotta go get in. <laughs> you gotta go behind us. Right. Lettuce and tomatoes. Lettuce and tomatoes. Enzo Amore takes on Kalisto, defending his purple cowhide here on the pre-show. Gotta love it. We don't mean his butt. We do mean his cruiserweight title. And Enzo retains. Retains. You guys are say, you know, why not? I mean, we don't know what the plans are for the cruiserweight title. Again, Enzo's working wonders for 205 Live. I think it's working very well. Like we said long ago, you know, <laughs> praise to ourselves. You know, get someone in there who doesn't just do 450s. And by the way, just 450s, that, that, that's an absurd statement. Um, I, I go ahead and address that right now. But someone who's a bit different than the typical cruiserweight onto a 5 Live. And Enzo Amore is a great mouthpiece. You know him from Raw. Love him or hate him. Cup of haters. You know, whatever. Um, it, it's working. I, I think putting him on 205 Live is doing wonders for both Enzo Amore and 205 Live. So. Hey, we're right. So far, we're good. So far, we are good. And next, another match, though, we didn't know was happening. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens come out to talk a lot of shit uh, about the uh, sibling rivalry that is apparently, you know, a brewing between Stephanie McMahon and Shane McMahon. Right. As the two brands compete against each other. Uh, Owens and Zayn say they will not participate in the McMahon's sibling rivalry. They simply right. have no they have nothing to gain from it, so they won't participate in it. And then they take on Brizongo. Of course. And I you know, you don't have to have a match. You don't always have to have a match. The match is fine. It's nothing bad about this match, but I think this could have possibly been much more entertaining if every bit of it happened backstage. Mm-hmm. Owens and Zayn in street clothes, you know, just either talking, addressing the camera directly, talking to Charlie Caruso, being overheard, sitting on, you know, sitting around playing cards or whatever, talking about how they're not booked. Right. Many ways to do this. You can even involve Brizongo in it and not actually have to have a match. And actually, the, the, the more these words are coming out of my mouth the more I wish it had happened that way. Right. But a, a backstage brawl does usually mean an actual physical match down the road. And right now, they're they're sort of feuding with the, the New Day. They're not at this show. New Day's fighting the Shield, but anyway. Nevertheless, they do have their match, and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn win. No-brainer. No-brainer. They're not going to put... Uh, nobody's going to put Brizongo over for some reason. And no one's going to put Brizongo in the corner. And... Uh, Owens and Zayn, they're they're pretty hot right now with this run. 
not getting quite the amount of coverage that I think it needs, but uh, still, they're being they're being pushed pretty strong. Now we get to the actual show. Two hours in, and we're going to start the actual show. And surprisingly, we're going to start with The Shield taking on New Day. Talk about trios. Here we go. Two of the long-existing trios in the WWE. The Shield, comprised of Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Dean Ambrose, take on The New Day, comprised of Big E, Kofi Kingston, and Xavier Woods. The Shield representing Raw and New Day representing SmackDown Live. This is a very good match. This match, better than it had any right to be. Right. Mainly because the New Day were fighting way over their heads, and it was booked so that it didn't look like what it ostensibly should have been. Right. Which is three world champions versus three popsicles. Three rodeo clowns. Three rodeo, exactly. And we Three we rodeo said clowns versus things, three bulls, basically. Right. And we said that all night long, and yet despite that, it's a pretty good match. Until the totem pole spot. The whole match just unraveled at this point of this totem pole splash. First thing that gets me is Dean Ambrose is no-selling it. He's not He's not like he's getting up and running around. He's just lying there, clearly not in pain. He's just waiting for his next. With his head up, looking around, yeah. and just waiting for the next thing waiting to happen. Waiting for his next spot, yeah. He no-sells it the whole time. Then, while... The New Day are trying to pull the move off. Uh, it means Seth Rollins is kind of just waiting around. And, like, for what? It's sort of like doing the Scott Hall stumble. Right. But for far too long. Or like a Mortal Kombat character that's dazed. Exactly. So you're just kind of like, your head's rocking and you're out of it for however long. So then uh, Seth Rollins gets hit with the double big ending. Uh, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. And then it got really sloppy. <laughs> and I just didn't understand what was happening there because the match had started so strong and everybody looked good. And I was really uh, feeling good about a match that I hadn't expected to be good. Right. And then it just unraveled. I, I, like, it seemed to me like they kind of had this idea last minute. Like, oh, let's do this thing. And they didn't actually think about the logistics and the timing of it all. It was like, well, there are three other guys involved. It all came down to timing. That's yeah. why it was so bad. And it was a little... Uh, but after they got past that, it became a it became a normal match again. Uh, which does ultimately end with the uh, Super Shield triple powerbomb up top rope. Kofi Kingston taking it for the New Day. And the Shield uh, gets the win. Uh, compliments of uh, Dean Ambrose pinning Kofi Kingston. And uh, we said it would happen... And we were right. The shield goes over. That means we are looking pretty good going into this. Right now, we are at 2-0. and Yay! We both picked the shield here. We had both picked Enzo. That'll take us into the Women's Survivor Series match. Raw versus SmackDown. Uh, Raw's team, consisting of Bailey, Nia Jax, Sasha Banks, Asuka, and their captain, Alicia Fox. Taking on SmackDown's team, the captain being Becky Lynch, uh, Tamina Snuka, Carmella, Naomi, and the fifth member added over the week, 
uh, <laughs> it was announced on social media. Natalia took that fifth spot, so we thought, like, all these women show up on, on SmackDown and Raw... It could be any of these women. Of course, at the time, we don't know they're going to show up. No, but we were really hoping for some sort of surprise here. You could have easily thrown in one of these girls into that spot. But just, how about just Natalia? You know, but whatever. That's what we got, was just Natalia. Right. Uh, this is a good match. It, it's it's pretty typical. Uh, you know, everyone kind of jump in and, and get your shit in. Uh, everyone do, get in and get your spots. Um, it didn't suffer from too many quick eliminations, which I hate. It came close. It came very close. And they backed off. They, they definitely backed off. But uh, Bailey does kind of sneak up behind Becky Lynch and rolls her up for a quick elimination. Uh, Tamina Snuka hits the splash on Bailey, eliminating Bailey. Uh, Nia Jax gets counted out, which I thought Tamina and Nia Jax get counted out together. A la Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 4. That we and we also we called that Nia Drax count out from a mile away. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Naomi pins Alicia Fox. Sasha makes Naomi tap out to the bank statement. Asuka comes in and does that lethal kick on Carmella and takes her out of the match. Sasha Banks taps to Natalia's sharpshooter. Which leaves Asuka against both Tamina Snuka and Natalia. So, and at this point, we know exactly what's going to happen. Right, and we said going into this, like it needs to. This needs to be about Asuka, and luckily, it was about Asuka in the end. Uh, Asuka fins off both Tamina Snuka and Natalia, uh, making Tamina tap out to the lethal armbar, and Natalia taps out to the Asuka lock. So Asuka comes out of this thing. Winning it for Raw and uh, looking like a million bucks. And Soul Survivor. Soul Survivor. That's what needed to happen. And uh, it did happen. And we said it would. So, hey, we're smarties. Look at us being smart. So, right now, we're 3-0. and oh. Ooh. Picking this show pretty well. Well, that's it, folks. Good night. Oh. Unfortunately. <laughs> there were more matches. There were more matches. And mm. things are not going to go as well. Uh, starting with the very next match. Damn it. The Miz. With the Miz Taraj, the Intercontinental Champion on this night, takes on Baron Corbin, the Lone Wolf and the United States Champion, mm -hmm. representing SmackDown Live to Miz's Raw. Ah, uh, yes, the Intercontinental Champion, the Miz, taking on the United States Champion, the equivalent of the IC Champion at this point, uh, Baron Corbin. And uh, it's a decent match between the two the two fellers. They put on a good show for sure, and uh, you don't really, no one really suffers from a loss here. Just kind of wrestler versus wrestler, which is kind of cool because you don't really know who's going to win. We thought for sure the Miz would probably win. We thought Miz Raj would play a big factor. They really didn't, and uh, Baron Corbin goes over nice and clean on the Miz, which really was uh, kind of surprising for me. End of days and pin the Miz. Gets pinned one, two, three, and uh, loses that championship. Just kidding. It wasn't for a belt. But seeing if you were paying attention out there to your listeners, uh, you weren't. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, just a good match on the show. Very nice. Poor The Miz. Lost his uh, his, <laughs> his match at the Survivor Series. And then lost his Intercontinental Championship uh, the very next night. Uh, but, hey, he's got a really attractive wife. He's, he's doing all right. He's got a daytime life. He's doing all right. 
And again, there's nothing wrong with the fact that these are not title unification matches. We talked about that a lot last week, and I would like to reiterate, now that this show has come and gone, I don't think the show suffered because the matches were not title matches. Here's where the show suffers. Considering you have a pay-per-view coming up called Clash of Champions, and you literally just had a Clash of Champions at Survivor Series... Maybe Clash of Champions should have been what this is. All right. I, I can agree with that. Okay. For sure. Okay. I just will not agree with the people that think that these interbrand exhibitions needed to be, quote unquote, for all the marbles. No, 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 no. No reason for me to go back into that argument and reiterate why. We know why. And if you don't know why, listen to last week's episode. There's no reason to unify... The titles and complicate their lineages. Absolutely, we're not going all that again. I totally agree. So, uh, in this next match, much like the one we just talked about, is about champion versus champion, or rather champions plural, uh, because the Usos, who are your SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions, take on the Bar <laughs> from Raw. They are the Raw Tag Team Champions, and uh, another good match. Usos doing a lot of great work with the New Day in the past couple months. Uh, the bar doing great work, uh, basically ever since they were put together. I mean, like I've said plenty of times in the show, I wasn't really a huge fan of Cesaro or Sheamus until they put the, they had, well, the best seven series is very good. Then you put the two together, and it, it worked out very well for the both of them. They gave them both something to do, and it was kind of like, what the fuck do we do with Sheamus and Cesaro? Okay, exactly, because yeah. once we get to that five-on-five five main event, excluding the old-timers like Angle and Triple H, you look at a, at a Survivor Series match, the traditional five-on-five five that our main event is, and you're like, God, all these guys could be world champion. Then you start looking down the card, and you're like, and yet none of them are because the two world champions are fighting each other, and yet also you got Kevin Owens on this show. He He's a former world champion. Right. You got The Shield, three former world champions. You got The Miz former world champion, then you start thinking about, hell, then there's people like Dolph Ziggler who aren't even on this show, former world champion. So what is one good thing WWE has done in this era of too much talent? Cesaro and Sheamus are a good example. Right. A very good example. Because Sheamus is a former multi-time world champion. And in my mind, Cesaro, at any given moment, is good enough to be world champion. Right. But if they're not going to do it with them, don't have those guys flounder as, you know, also rans or, you know, perennial uh, losers with their uh, opportunities that they don't win the world title. Put them together and make them this awesome team. You have all this firepower that you're not using or not using the way you, you, you would want to use it, or you know the way you should be using it, it's much like Resident Evil, the video game. Is it? Exactly. It is exactly like Resident Evil, the video You're game. You're going to have to explain that one to me. You, you, get, you get all these grenade rounds and, and shotgun rounds. You can't just use them willy-nilly on zombies. Can't you, you? You save it up. You save it up because you don't know when a giant snake is going to attack you, or tyrant. 
or or some other giant monster is going to come at you. So you you conserve and you save up all this firepower, and then you beat the game, and you have all these grenade rounds you never use because you didn't know if you would need them eventually. And you look back and go, all oh, that wasted firepower that I didn't use properly. And you feel bad that you didn't use what you had. Okay. Yeah. All it, right. Hey. So who's the wasted firepower? Oh my god! All these champions that that have nothing to do. Like okay, so like <laughs> Z- like Ziggler, right? Or like Jack well, Swagger. No, 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 no bad, bad examples. No, <laughs> not these guys. Not these guys. No, I mean, I mean, we talked about this forever. There's just so many worthy champions and former champions that exist on the on the roster but the roster is so inflated and it tends to only put the spotlight on you know two people at a time for a program of six months or more that it's kind of like what about these other guys what about these other guys you know we talked about finn balor and bray wyatt having a program without a title and it was kind of like what are they doing with these guys like who cares these are good matches but who cares? Which, There's nothing on the line here. Which, by the way, also both of those guys. Exactly. In the last 18 months, both of them have also been world champions. There you go. See, wrestling is like Resident Evil. <laughs> but Cesaro and Sheamus, their problem is solved for now because together they make an excellent tag team, whether they're holding the belts or... Or chasing them. An example of using your grenade rounds when you have them. Yes. <laughs> awesome matches with the Hardys. Good matches. Not awesome, but good matches with Ambrose and Rollins. Now they're holding the red cowhides and they're fighting the Usos with the blue cowhides. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this is a great match. I think this is a good matchup. It is a very good these matchup. These four guys. And something you haven't seen before either. Which, that, that, that is another cool thing about this, is you're seeing matches that you either have never seen, or that you haven't seen in a very long time. So that that, that, that is very nice. I'm sure the Usos have touched Cesaro and Sheamus at some point um, <laughs> quite a few times. But, uh, not these Usos, and not this tag team of the bar, because they've only existed for as long as the brand split, this latest brand split has happened. Um, but no, really, really good match uh, does end with the Uso. Coming off the top rope onto Sheamus and getting that pin, and the Usos go over on the bar. And what did we say? We said the Usos we would win. We said the Usos go over on the bar. We did it. So, yay, back to our winning ways. Yeah, we're the best. Forget about that Miz-Baron Corbin match. That doesn't count. Uh, moving on, it is the women's champion for Raw, Alexa Bliss. Little Miss Bliss taking on Charlotte Flair who was the SmackDown Live Women's Champion. She actually won that belt from Natalia going into Survivor Series. Uh, so storyline-wise, you can say Alexa Bliss was preparing to fight one person and ended up fighting someone else. That's true. Alexa, the goddess, the goddess. of the WWE, preparing to fight Natalia Neidhart. Instead, she will get the queen right. Story- of the WWE, Charlotte Flair. Storyline-wise, like if this were a UFC thing that happened like it'd be a big deal like it would totally throw off your your strategy and what you've been training on and focusing on the weaknesses of Natalia but all of a sudden you're fighting Charlotte Flair and and yada, next yada, thing yada. you know Seth Petrozelli is knocking out Charlotte Flair right right and now you gotta fight that guy and uh <laughs> but I, I think a lot of people thought that Alexa Bliss would just look really horrible fighting Charlotte Flair a lot of people who don't believe in Alexa Bliss the way we believe in Alexa Bliss but I thought she looked great. I thought this match was actually very well done. Alexa Bliss played up to her strengths. 
you know, Charlotte Flair sold really well for her. Alexa sold really well for Charlotte. And it was very believable, very good, and I don't think it could have ended in a better way. Oh, absolutely. This this match was everything it needed to be. Uh, I think it made both of them look good. Yeah. Both of them looked strong. Both of them looked capable. They looked like champions. This looked like a dream match. Mm-hmm. And it, and it kind of was. We haven't seen this match since NXT, and... Uh, it's been a long, long time, and they look great in the ring together, especially now that Alexa is the goddess. She is the face of wrestling on Monday nights, and um, well, you know, which is odd. I love them both. It's like picking between your children. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not, maybe not your children. It, it's like Resident Evil Two. Is it? No, it's not. You're gonna. You're really gonna have to explain that. One. <laughs> Sure, but we both picked Charlotte to win this match, though we uh, were both fans of both of these ladies, and we both have all the faith in the world in Alexa, and yet we both picked Charlotte, and I'm glad we did. Yep. Sorry, Alexa, you don't have a, a book that just came out that needs to be <laughs> that needs to be pushed. So uh, Charlotte Flair goes over, uh, making Alexa Bliss tap to that figure eight, which looks just as painful for Charlotte as it does for Alexa. Yeah, uh, it really does. It really does, but uh, no, swell match, and uh, yeah, really, uh, really good stuff. And as we move from the two biggest women's championships in the business, we approach the match pitting the two biggest men's championships in the business against one another, and the men that carry those championships, Brock Lesnar, representing Monday Night Raw, with Paul Heyman, his advocate, at his side, with the WWE Universal Championship around his waist, takes on AJ Styles, representing the blue brand, SmackDown Live, and wearing the WWE World Title around his waist. So, any way you slice uh, AJ Styles' belt, WWE Championship, WWE World Championship, it's a world title, just like Brock's, so it's world title versus world title. Wow, this is a big matchup. It is a big match. It is a, it is a very good match. The first half, uh, of course, does not look good for AJ. No, He's being no manhandled. Like a gorilla, like you know, beating up like a, a new toy it just got, <laughs> throwing AJ across the ring and stuff like that. It's kind of like I hope AJ gets some offense eventually. It's uh, a solid eight minutes of brutality. It feels like forever, but uh, AJ does rally, and it's it's believable offense against Brock Lesnar, this <laughs> giant gorilla. Um, you know, to, to AJ, who's of course not the same size as uh, Brock Lesnar. No, Brock's hitting those released German suplexes. Oh, just devastating. Oh, oh, the way AJ is also selling uh, and taking these things. It's just beautiful. Yeah. He's being thrown like a rag doll. And, oh man. And just, he plays it's, it's like, so like, he plays like knocked out very well. He does. AJ is very good at selling and makes Brock Lesnar look like a million bucks. And in turn, Lesnar returns the favor. And once AJ does get some offense in, Couple phenomenal forearms, uh, Pele kick. Uh, it, it, it's it looks really really good. And for a while, we hit those in the calf crusher. And for a while there, it looks like AJ might actually get Lesnar. Uh, Lesnar almost taps to the the calf crusher, and the crowd goes insane. They love this match when AJ puts the calf crusher on Brock, mm-hmm. and the crowd like re- reaches a certain pitch where they feel like. 
AJ's about to win this match. Absolutely. The the excitement and the anticipation when they think AJ actually might win had to be the loudest the crowd was all night. And it was sustained. Yeah. It wasn't just an entrance pop. It was a sustained volume that like made me excited sitting at home. Right. Because, I mean, Lester's obviously a credible champion. He's a very, I think he's a very good universal champion. But everyone loves AJ Styles, and they wanted David to beat Goliath, especially a David that they all like. It's not like throwing Jason Jordan at Braun Strowman. Right. Which also happened this week, and no one <laughs> gave a shit. Um, but, um, it's, I mean, people love AJ Styles. They want him to beat Lester. Um, also, you know, it's not for a title. It's just for the bragging rights, you know? And let me say this again, we talked about, and I still fully support the idea that it was not a title unification match. It doesn't need to be easy, Darren. I will say this though. I felt like the profile of the match was a, a little underplayed. Um, I, I have no desire whatsoever to see the belts be on the line in this match, but this needed something else. We needed to have like, let's, all right, let's, we've got a six hour show on our hands. Mm -hmm. Let's spend 10 minutes interviewing a fresh interview that you didn't see on raw or SmackDown that you do not see it unless you're watching survivor series. Give me the interview in a dark room with the side angle that the, they're wearing right. like suits and just talking to a camera and then looking off camera and then also cut to them like in the gym yeah this is the kind of match that needed that okay don't put the belts on the line but play up how amazing this match is right and and was and it was and delivered very well speaking of the calf pressure uh brock lester's counter to that was awesome where he basically grabs, oh my God. He grabs AJ Styles. I saw it come from a mile away, but I was like, oh, I'm so happy when it happened. It was but like no, he, he grabs AJ uh, from around like around the neck, basically, and bashes his head. It bounces his head off the off the mat a few times, breaking the hold, which is great. It made me think of like Bam Bam Rubble when he would hit bang his <laughs> right. And I yeah, was absolutely. like, yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. what that looked like. Right. And obviously, uh, Brock had his hand behind AJ's head, so it didn't. Uh, give him permanent brain damage for life. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, really, really great. Eventually, though, AJ goes to the well once too often. Comes off that uh, comes off of that springboard phenomenal forearm. Brock Lesnar catches it, catches AJ on his shoulders, F five and a pin, and uh, Brock Lesnar leaves the champion. But I gotta say, good injury sell by Brock Lesnar. Really, really sold his leg being hurt from that calf crusher. Like like took a long time to get down the entryway. Kept looking back at AJ. That was that was very cool. I thought very very cool of Brock to like sell like like I just got put through fucking I got I got put through the fucking ringer by AJ Styles just now. So very cool. And at this point, we said that AJ would sneak in there and get the win on Brock Lesnar. We were wrong about that. We should have known better. We on that one we should have known better. Brock Lesnar's beaten so many people. He beat Braun Strowman, for God's sake. There's no reason to have him lose at any point for any reason. But then again, we thought Jinder Mahal might play a part in the match. Um, but uh, we just, we'll, we'll fess up. We were wrong on that one. So Brock Lesnar goes over on AJ Styles, and we, we lose that one. So at this point, with only one match left in the show, we are 5-2. and two. That's so good for me. I'm that's, happy about that. That's not bad. So we're 5-2, and two, but at this point, folks, it is tied... And the eyes of Raw vs. SmackDown Live, 3-3. Three to three. 
And we go into this. As soon as I saw it kind of lining up that way, I was like, oh, well, the last match is going to be a tiebreaker. And I, I, I realized that going into Brock versus AJ. And I was like, well, shit, Lesnar's definitely winning that match. But anyway, um, so 3-3, three three, Raw versus SmackDown Live. This one's for all the marbles uh, as far as Raw and SmackDown are concerned. Hashtag under siege. Hashtag, you know, brand dominance. This is what's going down. It is the men's Survivor Series match. And the Raw team is a strong one. It is Finn Balor. Kurt Angle, the captain of the Raw team. Samoa Joe, Braun Strowman, and Triple H interjects himself into the Raw team. They take on the SmackDown Live team, captained by Shane McMahon. And he is with John Cena, Shinsuke Nakamura, Bobby Roode, and Randy Orton. So a Five very, on five. Very, very solid teams here. Five on five. A, a very interesting sprinkle of, of, uh, of bodies here. Um, and good representation. You have uh, more so the powerhouses on the Raw side. Uh, Samoa Joe's kind of a brawler. Um, obviously, Braun Strowman is a monster. Triple H still has the size. Um, but you have someone as fast as uh, Finn Balor. Kurt Angle, of course, the... <laughs> the the old timer with uh, Triple H, um, but uh, then you have the NXT, the former NXT champions in and Bobby Roode and Shinsuke Nakamura and Finn Balor and Finn Balor as well. But I'm I'm moving on the SmackDown guys now. Randy Orton, Cena, who doesn't do nearly anything in this match, I was very surprised about that. Um, and of course Shane McMahon, who you hate with a passion as a wrestler. No, I understand. As I understand. a wrestler, I think we all remember my my uh, rants about. Uh, Shane McMahon, you know, taking up AJ Styles' uh, match at WrestleMania, which I'm still angry about. But anyway, uh, it turned out it was fine. It was fine. I'm, I'm, I'm past that. I'm way past that. My counselor, my therapist says I should be past that. <laughs> so, so I am. I also was not disappointed, uh, please pick up on my sarcasm here, to see that Triple H, uh, yes, he's also going to wear a red shirt. Like everybody else on his team. Right. But he just basically took an old Triple H shirt and put the design on a red shirt. Hey, man, at least he tried. John Cena was wearing his fucking lime green shit. And I was like, motherfucker, you have a blue shirt. You have a blue John Cena shirt you could have wore. That's true. And no, your denim shorts don't fucking count, you asshole. (laughs) Anyway, I'm actually fine on John Cena these days, by the way. That's how I talk about people that I like. Um, <laughs> in this matchup, we're going to see things that surprise us and disappoint us. Also some cool things, but from the very start, very early, we get a really awesome showing out of Shinsuke Nakamura. The first half of this match is great. The and second half is dog shit on a stick. Wow. The first half though, I love, and as you're talking about Shinsuke here, you know, I love when they make Shinsuke look good. We do get a brief five minute wrestle match. With Shinsuke Nakamura and Finn Balor. And it is great. It is very, very cool to watch. And Shinsuke looks great and Finn looks great. And it's the only times these two will look good in the match. Um, what, I, what I said going into it, I said, you know, Triple H wants to get in the ring with Shinsuke Nakamura. And guess who Finn Balor tags in? Triple H. So Triple H and Shinsuke Nakamura square off. And here's the thing. I'm, I, I wasn't for Triple H joining the match because it's like... Does Triple H need to be wrestling at this point? Does he really need to be wrestling at this point? This could have been anyone else. But I will say... Just Tri- like Shane. Exactly. Triple H went out of his way 
to make sure his NXT guys look good. He made sure he made Nakamura look good, and then Nakamura tagged in Bobby Roode, and that was a cool exchange between the two of them. Like I said, I'm glad he kind of he kind of took care of his NXT guys. That being said, I said if the newer guys were the first ones to be eliminated from this match, then WWE has a lot of issues. And guess who the first people were that were eliminated from this match? Shinsuke Nakamura, he goes out first. Braun Strowman hits the power slam and the pin on Nakamura. And then Strowman hits the power slam and pin on Bobby Roode. So already those pesky new guys are gone uh, from Team SmackDown Live. And we're already down to Shane McMahon, Randy Orton, and John Cena, all of which have been with the company for over a decade. Um, well over a decade at this point. So uh, there's that. One of the coolest things uh, in the whole match that I, I thought was really neat is the five-man suplex to Strowman. The five-man suplex Braun Strowman is very, very cool. Yeah. Because they they make it look like it takes that much. Right. Even though Cena could probably do it easily. <laughs> oh, for sure. For so, sure. So, yeah, all five men of SmackDown, even though Shinsuke and Root are out, they run back over to help Cena and Orton uh, and I guess McMahon, Shane McMahon jump in and uh, and and all suplex Braun Strowman into the announcer's table. And I believe Strowman was the legal man. He probably should have been counted out uh, and, unless there was a tag that I wasn't aware of. But all of a sudden, this match does continue. Cena is able to hit the attitude adjustment on Samoa Joe, uh, which takes uh, Joe out of the match. And like I said, the first people out... All the newest people, and now it's just all the old guys. Uh, except Finn Balor's still around there. But Cena actually gets hit with the coup de gras and the angle slam. And uh, Angle actually pins John Cena. Really surprised to see Cena go out. You know, <laughs> thought he'd be like the sole survivor or something like that. Uh, but an RKO on Finn Balor. Again, all the youngins are gone now. They all gone. Uh, and then, uh, out of nowhere, Owens and Zayn jump Shane McMahon. So, of course, because, I mean, it, obviously it's, it's Raw versus SmackDown, but really, it's still, it's still SmackDown under turmoil. It's still Raw under turmoil. I like that. That's that good, good. That, that is the good stuff. But also, Owens and, and Zayn showing up earlier in the, in the pre-show, obviously foreshadowing. Sure. It's, they're trying to, they're trying to also allude to what's going on. What you know, how the match actually ends and why it ends the way it does, but also don't forget we hate Shane McMahon, and then we show you by showing up in the match. We said we wouldn't be there, but here we are because we're assholes. But that's what you want them to do. Strowman hits a power slam and pins Randy Orton. Triple H pedigrees Kurt Angle, his teammate, uh, because at this point it is just Shane McMahon against Triple H. Braun Strowman and Kurt Angle, so it's it's Shane McMahon as a sole survivor trying to be the sole survivor. There's not a lot of hope, not a lot Shane McMahon could do against uh, Braun Strowman, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but um, Angle does want to put down Shane McMahon. Triple H is having none of that, and when you think Triple H is saving Shane McMahon, just turns on Kurt Angle, pedigrees him, and basically drags Shane McMahon's body over um, Kurt Angle. Triple H actually pedigrees uh, Shane McMahon also, so it's it's a lot of fun. It's interesting. It's a nice, uh, nice family you got going on there. McMahon's. Yeah, it's. I wish it were a little more clear. I don't. I do not want to see a triple threat match between Angle, Triple H, and Shane. And no one does. But I would be perfectly <laughs> okay 
with seeing a singles match between I don't want to see Angle and and McMahon. I don't mm-hmm. want to see it. But I honestly I would take and actually be enthusiastic about either Angle Triple H or believe it or not Triple H and Shane. I'll take either of those matches. But I don't know where they're going, actually. I don't know which one we're more likely to see. Yeah, hard to say at this point. Probably the only one I don't want to see is what we'll get. <laughs> <laughs> so Triple H, uh, Pedigree, Shane McMahon, and and pin Shane McMahon winning for Team Raw. And uh, what I hate about this, besides the order of elimination, it made Team SmackDown look pretty weak. It like, did. Like, the fact that Shane was the last one. The, the fact that out of the out of the five people on Team Raw, basically one of Raw's own had to eliminate one of their five. Three out the last person, Shane McMahon, who's not a wrestler, but he's wrestling. Um, everyone else looks looks kind of bad going out so quickly, and that's like those are your future champions, Nakamura and Bobby Roode, right? But they're kind of redheaded stepchildren, as the saying goes. Nothing against redheaded stepchildren. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not thrilled about the ending. Of course, Braun Strowman looks at Triple H like, you know, what are you doing? We're Team Raw. That's the most important thing that can be. And Triple H is like, nah, nah, it's fine. We're the best. We're the best. And of course, uh, Braun Strowman destroys Triple H, uh, power slams him, which is is, is nice to see, um, and threatens Triple H and says, if you ever you ever do that to me again, I will uh, destroy you. And uh, Triple H doesn't heed that advice, and he gets destroyed by Braun Strowman. He told him. He told him, man. He told him. So we got that one wrong, as we said Team SmackDown would probably win that, even though we we agonized over our answer. Like, 20 minutes of the last episode was like, but doesn't, doesn't someone have to win? Uh, but yeah, so I don't, I don't like the ending of the match. Like I said, it made Team SmackDown look super bad. Um, and uh, the, the ending's kind of convoluted. The, the, the older, the old folks... You know, were the were the the last ones involved in the match, and I think that it made the younger guys look kind of bad across the board. Uh, like I said, the first half though was a lot of fun, just seeing different people, different combinations of wrestlers go at it. Obviously, that's always fun, but ultimately the match was just kind of like uh, they could have booked that a little better. Yeah, it's unfortunate that it started so strong and, and fell apart. But right. that's life, man. Can't uh, can't take it back. It was still cool to see those nine of those ten people. Uh, standing in a ring together and just looking at the the history, the past, the present, and hopefully a lot of the future, all assembled in the ring together. A lot of championship gold that has passed through those hands mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, entertaining singles matches to see them all together. That's, like I said, that's one of the moments where you're thankful that WWE is that crossroads where everybody has to go if only for a time. Yes, we are thankful for that. Yes, we are. And uh, what a better time to be thankful than Thanksgiving week. That's right. I am so stuffed to my eyeballs with turkey and dressing and, and stuffing. Right. Stuffed with stuffing. Yeah. And sweet potatoes. Oh, man. Macaroni and cheese and and uh, smoked ham. Hams, multiple hams, multiple hams. Wow. Uh, well, that's 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 good. Really, all I want is just more of the like toasted marshmallow off the top of sweet potato souffle. Just a big bowl of that. 
probably just have like a pizza or something like that, man. Really? Yeah. Who's wait? Who's on American? And am I supposed to not eat pizza because it was Thanksgiving? What if it was turkey and, and stuffing pizza? That sounds amazing. <laughs> I think we're on to something. It's stuffed crust pizza, and it's stuffing. What? It's it's stuffed cornbread stuffing in the and the crust is is uh is, is uh croissant rolls. Is that what they are? Yes. Oh. Okay. The crust, yes, very good. And instead of marinara sauce, it's cranberry sauce. Oh man. Oh, this is good. Oh man, Boy. I'm gonna make a Thanksgiving pizza uh, out of the leftovers. Well, you are a culinary wizard, uh, Darren. I think we all know that here on the Only Wrestling Podcast. It calls it right down the middle. Hope you guys have a good Thanksgiving. Let us know how you feel about Survivor Series and about Thanksgiving if you want to. Let us know what you're thankful for. Let us know what you're thankful for. If you think our, our Thanksgiving pizza is a good idea, let us know. How can you let us know? Well, there are a lot of ways. Uh, find us on Twitter at Podcast. R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Uh, find us on Facebook. Like and share. That's always nice. Send us an email if you want to, if you're so inclined. The whole reference show at gmail.com, T H E W H O L E, R E F N S H O W at gmail.com, or. Or the whole reference show at Instagram, T H E W H O L E, R E F N S H O W, on Instagram. Like our pretty pictures, leave us some comments, start some great conversations. You can find out even more about us just on Instagram. Who'd have thunk it? That is right, and that's all for us here at The Whole Ref and Show, the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle once more. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. Thank you for being you, Perry. Thank you for being you, Darren. Hope you guys had a good turkey day and uh, some leftovers for next week's episode. We'll see you then, folks, later on. Thank you, dear listeners. Thank God for you. Thank God for you, Spider-Man. Try some new Minute made orange tangerine. It's got calcium. Then I'm not drinking it. Oh, no, it's sweet. You'll like it. I don't believe you. Well, then who would you believe? I don't know, Robert Loja. Whoa, Robert Loja. Billy, your mother's right. Your Minute Maid Orange Tangerine tastes great. It's got as much calcium as milk. If you say so, Mr. Loja. Yeah. This is great. Enjoy your breakfast. New Minute Maid Orange Tangerine with calcium. Yeah.